Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Many Tuesday mornings, I'm in the middle of one of my daily Zoom work calls when I hear my neighbors wheeling garbage cans back from the curb. Until a year and a half ago, the distinctive grinding of wheels rolling over the concrete courtyard was a sound I'd rarely heard, because I would not have been at home, having left for work early, and already been settled into my day in the GBH newsroom. Since COVID, I've become one of the millions of Americans who work from home with some regularity, as well as in my office. We hybrid workers never entirely left the office behind. For a long time, the few commuters on the nearly empty streets. I came in even during the COVID lockdown. My work put me in the official group of essential employees, though obviously not linked to the life-and-death duties of the frontline workers. GBH was officially closed except for those with critical duties and those of us continuing to keep the news-related programs on the air. But out of an abundance of caution, there were very few of us in the office. Most of my fellow newsroom colleagues were assigned to work from home. Others began a rotation during which they'd switch off with other team members so as to minimize the risk of infection. On any given day, the newsroom was the proverbial ghost town, with just me and two of my co-workers populating a huge space. Sometimes I wouldn't see them at all as their desks were way across on the other side of the room. At night, another colleague would arrive for the late shift, but that was it. Initially, it was weird and off-putting to interact with the same tiny core of people in the building, to hear my own footsteps echo in the abandoned hallways, and to walk past rows and rows of department offices, empty desks cluttered with dusty personal items. But what was at first eerie and more than a little nerve-wracking quickly became a kind of comforting desolation. I didn't realize how comforting until a few weeks ago, when a few more people started making their way back into the building. GBH is officially closed until Labor Day, but after the Centers for Disease Control relaxed the quarantine rules, more of my colleagues decided to venture in for short trips to clean off their desks and prepare for their eventual return. At first, those drop-in visits were few, but recently there were people coming in for meetings or doing their own version of a hybrid schedule. Suddenly I realized how much I was accustomed to the mostly silent spaces. Not only was I literally startled by the people noise, but I've been unsettled by what now feels like a whirlwind of activity. It feels crowded, even though it's actually just a few more people. They are all so excited to be back, happy to connect outside of their Zoom screen squares. I've been happy to see them, but I have to admit it feels strange, really strange. I was relieved when my late-shift co-worker shared with me that the extra people rattled her, too. Though I feel strongly that the future of work will be and should be hybrid, until recently, I hadn't given much thought to how I would feel in the workplace after a year or more of physical and emotional social distancing. It will not be as simple as just people returning to reclaim their desk. I'm now convinced that there has to be a process of reintegration and a thoughtful reorientation for a successful transition. And even that might not be enough. Returning to normal at work or finding that elusive new normal is just a first step. Callie Crossley, GBH, Boston's local NPR.
Will private employers mandate their staffs to get a coronavirus vaccine? Well, the NFL has announced how they will try to pressure teams to up their vaccination numbers. They're going to use financial penalties. Kaylin Kaler reports on the NFL for Defector and joins us now. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So talk us through this new policy. Like, how will it work exactly? Yeah, so they came out with a memo last week that really uh, made some waves in the NFL, specifically among players um, on Twitter. And the new memo said that if there was an unvaccinated outbreak within a team that caused a game to be canceled, which didn't happen at all last year, there were several games postponed, but there were no games that were actually canceled, um, Uh then the team would be forced to forfeit that game which is obviously a big penalty. That means the players aren't getting paid. um, And there are some financial consequences to the team as far as like the visiting team or, you know, the team, the opponent that they were playing. And as you mentioned, it's kind of a way that the NFL is requiring players to get vaccinated without actually requiring them to get vaccinated. I mean, we should know that the majority of players in the NFL are vaccinated, but I'm really curious about the individual attitudes of the players that you've been discovering, because you profiled a number of them, some fully vaccinated, some who were not, all of whom wanted to remain anonymous in your reporting. What did their stories tell you about how these players were assessing COVID as a health risk? I think they're very representative of the different attitudes and views Mm -hmm. on the vaccine of our nation. For the players who were hesitant about the vaccine, there's a huge range of reasons from Um, you know, questioning whether it was going to change their DNA to questioning if it has any effect on fertility. You know, both things, myths, you could say that have been debunked. Those were the two most popular questions that the um, Vikings athletic trainer told me that he faced in his vaccine education. Um, So there's really a wide range of reasons why these players are hesitant. You know, a lot of them are very particular about what they put in their body. And I think that's maybe a difference from, you know, the majority of the American population. Like these are elite athletes athletes who need to know that their body is going to function the way that it always has because their job depends on it. So I think that was a big reason as well. And in addition to getting a really comprehensive vaccine course education from their teams, a lot of them expressed this sort of like exhaustion with learning about it. And I think like a lot of the information from their teams was just going over their head a little bit because they were just tired of hearing it because they were getting a full-on education on this. Like the teams were doing everything they could to tell these guys what the benefits were to getting the vaccine from a health perspective and also from a team perspective and how they can stay available for their jobs. Right. So Kaylin, if we call you back mid-season, do you think that we'll be talking about a 100% vaccination rate or do you think we're going to see continued reluctance? I don't think it's ever going to be 100% because I do think there are a handful of guys who are set in their ways and they're not going to get it this year. But from talking to agents and talking to trainers and people around the league, there's a sense of people are going, these players are going to give in. Once they get to training camp, which they are right now, every all 32 teams are reporting either today or this past weekend. Training camp is going full steam ahead. And once they realize how different their life is going to be as an unvaccinated player, I do think the majority of these vaccine hesitant players are going to give in and they're going to get the vaccine simply for the reason that it makes their life easier. Kaylin Kaler, NFL reporter for Defector. Thank you very much. Thanks. 
New requirements for COVID vaccinations gathered momentum today as concerns over rising cases grows. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs became the first federal agency to require shots. About 115,000 of its frontline health care workers will be required to get vaccinated within the next two months. There were similar moves on both coasts of the country. California Governor Gavin Newsom said his state will require proof of COVID-19 vaccination for all state employees and health care workers beginning next month. If employees don't get vaccinated, they must get tested weekly. In New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio said municipal workers either must get vaccinated by mid-September or take weekly tests. If not, they risk losing pay. Both officials outlined their reasoning. We're at a point in this epidemic, this pandemic, where choice, individuals' choice not to get vaccinated is now impacting the rest of us in a profound and devastating and deadly way. September is the pivot point of the recovery. September is when many employers are bringing back a lot of their employees. September is when school starts full strength. September is when people come back from the summer. September is when it will all happen. One major labor union signaled that it may fight the changes. Separately, nearly 60 major medical organizations issued a call for mandatory vaccinations for all health care workers. More than 40 percent of all nursing home staff are still not fully vaccinated. For his part, President Biden announced today that people suffering from long-term symptoms of COVID could qualify as having a disability under the federal Americans with Disabilities Act. Today is the 31st anniversary of that law. Individuals would get additional protections from discrimination in employment and housing, but they have to be assessed to qualify. Let's focus more now on today's news around mandatory vaccinations. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel helped organize that statement from those medical groups. He's the co-director of the Healthcare Transformation Institute at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Zeke Emanuel, welcome back to the news hour. I think many people assume that the majority or all healthcare workers are already vaccinated, but but that's not the case, is it? No, there are many healthcare workers that are not vaccinated, unfortunately. Uh, in long-term care facilities, for example, about 60% of the workers are vaccinated, but that means 40% are not vaccinated. And so what is the impetus behind this move today? Uh, as we were saying, almost 60 major medical organizations saying uh, that it should be a requirement, mandatory, that healthcare workers be vaccinated. Well, our motivation is that we're healthcare workers, we're caring for patients, patients come first. It's our obligation to promote their health and well-being. And one of the ways we do that is by taking vaccines. We take the influenza vaccine, the hepatitis vaccine, and in the midst of COVID-19, we're supposed to take the COVID vaccine to protect our patients, whether they're elderly, their children who can't be vaccinated, or they're immunocompromised cancer patients or organ transplant patients, we need to help and protect them. And the best way to do that from COVID is to get vaccinated. But this pandemic uh, obviously has been going on now for over a year and a half. What has precipitated this right now? Judy, to be honest, I began urging mandates of healthcare workers uh, three months ago in the middle of April. 
I think we tried. You know, it's always better to have people do things voluntarily. We were hoping if you got a vaccine, you made it readily available and uh, you made it free, people would get vaccinated. But unfortunately, in the country, only about half the country has been vaccinated. And in healthcare, it might be slightly higher, but it's still not 100 percent. And if you can't induce people to get the vaccine by all these other mechanisms, uh, then requiring them to fulfill their ethical obligation is something we have to move to. It's not the first resort, it's a last resort. What do you think the response is gonna be? How many, uh, how many healthcare uh, facilities do you think are going to require their employees to do this? We saw Veterans Administration, that's a federal agency, uh, do this today. That's a lot of workers, but what about the, the private sector? First of all, some of the private sector has already mandated that their workers get vaccinated. I'm proud that I'm at the University of Pennsylvania, and our health system was probably the first a large academic health system to actually mandate all our employees get vaccinated. I think actually having all of these professional societies and groups representing doctors and nurses, uh, physician assistants and pharmacists, long-term healthcare work, long-term care facility workers, will give them a good reason to now mandate that their workers get vaccinated too. So I think you're gonna see a lot more uh, uh, private employers, health systems, doctors, mandate that their workers get vaccinated uh, uh, to be able to intersect with people and keep their jobs. And what difference does it make if there are holdouts among hospital groups or others who say, we're just, we just can't do that, we're worried we may lose employees? Well, what is interesting is that when Houston Methodist required it, there was a lot of chatter on Twitter and social media that people will quit, they'll take them to court. Turns out that over 99.5% of the workforce of 26,000 got vaccinated and just a few people decided they didn't want a vaccine and they would rather quit. Similarly, there are long-term care companies that have required their workers to get vaccinated and the vast majority, 95 plus percent, in some cases 100 percent, have been vaccinated. So I think the fear that workers are going to quit uh, in large numbers is a fear not borne out by the cases that we have. Dr. Zeke Emanuel, where do you stand on, on mandating masks right now? As you know, the White House is saying that's not for us to do. That's not something we're looking at right now. What do you think should happen in that regard? Well, I will tell you, I think this Delta variant is very transmissible. It's transmissible much earlier, and there are uh, people get a large or expel a large amount of virus that can get to other people. Um, I think when you're indoors, you should definitely wear a mask, even if you're vaccinated. Um, it's a small inconvenience. If you go into a grocery store or a pharmacy for 10, 15 minutes, that is not onerous. Similarly, I think if you're outdoors, but in a large crowd, I would wear a mask. It's not really inconvenient um, and we should not make it more than it is. It's not like a lockdown. For the vast majority of us who are vaccinated, wearing a mask for a short period of time, even for an hour and a half on a flight, is, I think, absolutely essential. Do you think it's something the federal government should be mandating in more places? Well, I think the federal government has mandated it in places like airports. I think we should enforce that mandate. Um, it's kind of lax in a lot of places I've seen. I think the CDC will have to issue its recommendation. I happen to agree with the American Academy of Pediatrics that masking in classrooms is a good idea because that's an extended period of time uh, where lots of people are going to be together in a room in close quarters. 
So I think it's very important uh, to revise the recommendation that will then be implemented at the state and local level. Dr. Zeke Emanuel, we thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Judy. A quite honor to be here. Public health officials are describing a surge in COVID cases as a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And so today, more than 50 medical groups signed a joint statement. It calls on health care and long-term care employers to require their employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The White House has endorsed this effort, and the Veterans Administration says it will require its frontline health care workers to be vaccinated. We are joined now by the man who organized the joint statement for medical groups. Dr. Zeke Emanuel is the vice provost for global initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome back to All Things Considered. Good to be with you, Ari. To start, can employers require workers to get vaccinated while these vaccines are still under emergency youth authorization? Uh, I think that's a legal question you're asking me, and I'm not a lawyer, but uh, as I understand it, the answer to that is yes. The Equal uh, Employment Opportunity Commission and courts have said that employers can require uh, this vaccine, the COVID vaccine, even though it's under emergency use authorization. We should also remember that there's a mountain of data. 163 million Americans have already been fully vaccinated. Um, We know a lot about this vaccine, and it's Mm -hmm. tremendously effective and safe. And given that healthcare workers are among those most at risk for this disease, can you explain why so many on the front lines remain unvaccinated? Well, I think they really reflect the rest of the population, uh, which is there's been a lot of misinformation Uh, There's a lot of uh, false understanding that, you know, might cause infertility, might be incorporated into your DNA. Um, And I think there's, you know, it often depends upon also the leader. You know, if there's a person on a nursing floor and and the head says, you know, I'm not going to do that, that influences everyone else. And I think when the head says yes, uh, that also influences everyone else. And so I think, you know, there's both big misinformation issues, as well as local uh, issues related to, you know, uh, what the dynamic of the team is. Tell us why you think mandates will move the needle. We've heard repeatedly that one of the best ways to get someone resistant to get the vaccine is to talk them through it, uh, persuasion rather than coercion. So why do you think people will do this because their employer requires it? Well, first of all, uh, uh, Ari, we should look. We have tried lots of things, right? We've made them Uh, The vaccine's readily available. You can go to any pharmacy and get them. We've made them free, not only free, we've added incentives in many states. Um, We've added education. We've worked with community uh, leaders uh, to try to persuade people. We've even had the president of the United States pleading with people on TV. That's gotten us to 50%, but we have to get much higher if we're really gonna put COVID in the back mirror. And a lot of workers actually say, if their employer requires it, they will get it. And you could see that at places like Houston Methodist, where they did have a mandate, and over 99.5% of the workers there took the mandate and and, and took the vaccine. I think, you know, nudging people to do the right thing often helps too. Lots of us know, well, we should do that, but don't get around to it. And the nudge of, you have to do this, uh, help people, sometimes helps people get over that little barrier. There does seem to be a movement towards mandates. New York City is going to require its municipal workers, including police officers and teachers, to get vaccinated or face weekly COVID-19 tests. California has announced the same for state employees and all health care workers. 
Do you think broad vaccination policies like this should be handled in this piecemeal way, or would you rather see the federal government take a more active role? It is, after all, the largest employer in the U.S. Well, I do think that, um, uh, well, first of all, I welcome the federal government taking an active role at the VA. Uh, I would like them to take an active role when it comes to the military. I think the last thing we need is the military uh, not prepared uh, in various places because of a COVID outbreak. And I think having a mandate among the military would be very important. Um, we are a federal system for better and worse. And, and I think uh, getting states out in front and having states realize that getting their population vaccinated uh, is ultimately going to work. We've now seen in the last week, as you know, uh, many Republicans coming out and urging their people uh, to get vaccinated. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that happened after uh, they propagated a lot of disinformation that didn't help. Uh, but I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's not clear how the federal government issues a mandate or how the mm -hmm. federal government enforces a mandate. Frankly, they don't have. Well, I mean, certainly could power. mandate all federal employees for starters. Um, yes, just I, I do think I do think, uh, you know, uh, if you're bringing people back to work, they should be vaccinated, it seems to me. So more than 50 medical groups signed this joint statement that you coordinated that came out today. What's the response been from employers, from the healthcare companies that you directed this to? Uh, well, I've gotten some calls. Uh, will you help us? Will you talk to the unions? Uh, will you uh, record a short video that we can uh, uh, give to our uh, workers? Um, so I do think uh, I do think people want to see uh, uh, this consensus and want to embrace it. Well, but are they willing to stick their neck out and mandate it, even if it does mean they get pushback from employees, from unions, from whoever might be opposed to such a mandate? Uh, I think that is uh, where the tide is going. And I, I think the fact that people are reaching out to me suggests that they, that's what they want to do. They want to push forward on a mandate. That and I think doctor. what would facilitate it, Ari, I would say, is if the FDA would quickly approve uh, these vaccines, give it a full approval, not just an emergency approval. I think that's probably the last excuse um, in the book. And uh, I think no one has any doubt that these are very safe and very effective. And I think that if that's done expeditiously, it would certainly help a lot of employers who want to mandate the vaccine. That's Dr. Zeke Emanuel, Vice Provost for Global Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. As cases of the Delta variant rise, several cities and states are requiring that public employees be vaccinated against COVID-19. Today, New York City announced that its government workers must be vaccinated by mid-September. Those who refuse will have to wear masks indoors and submit to weekly COVID tests. These requirements will apply to about 340,000 workers. That includes teachers and police officers. And shortly after that announcement, California announced that it will require state employees to show proof of vaccination. NPR's Jasmine Gars is in New York City and joins us now. Hey, Jasmine. Hey. So what are the numbers like in New York? Like, why is this mandate coming down now? Well, cases in New York have nearly doubled over the last week, and the mayor expressed concern over the Delta variant. Um, at a press conference this morning, he said he believes September is going to be a crucial month for the city. September is the pivot point of the recovery. September is when many employers are bringing back a lot of their employees. September is when school starts full strength. September is when people come back from the summer. September is when it will all happen. September, September, September. Okay, so this requirement is for government workers, but then what about everyone else? 
Well, Mayor, Bill, uh, Mayor de Blasio urged private companies to get stricter with vaccination requirements. Look, New York City has a high vaccination rate compared to other parts of the country. Right now, 54% of New Yorkers are fully vaccinated. But hmm. there's, there's this tangible sense of urgency as the city reopens and Delta variant numbers start to creep up. Yeah. Well, what about communities in New York where the vaccination rates are still pretty low? Well, I mentioned earlier that 54% of New York City is fully vaccinated, but that Mm -hmm. varies tremendously. Only 31% of black New Yorkers are vaccinated. Boroughs like the Bronx lag way behind. So in a separate press conference, Governor Andrew Cuomo acknowledged that in immigrant communities and some communities of color, there is a well-founded apprehension towards the medical establishment and public health matters. And Today, he announced he's allocating $15 million to organizations uh, that will help vaccination efforts on the ground in communities that have high positivity rates and low vaccination rates. I'm just wondering, Jasmine, can city and state governments actually require this? Like, is there legal precedent for this? There is precedent. In in recent weeks, some hospitals and healthcare systems have announced that they would begin requiring all employees to be vaccinated. And the VA announced today its healthcare personnel must get vaccinated. And the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has said that the mandates are permissible. Uh, for example, many hospitals already require employees to get flu shots. So, of course, just because it's legal doesn't mean it isn't controversial. <laughs> We've already seen a lot of pushback, and I think we can expect to see more. That is NPR's Jasmine Gars in New York City. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. Is your job requiring you to get a COVID vaccine shot? It's a big question for workers and for their bosses as many return to the physical workspace. Yesterday, President Biden said federal workers will have to disclose their vaccination status or face testing and mandatory masks. NPR consumer health correspondent Yuki Noguchi asked what other employers are doing, and she's on the line. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Yuki, what are you hearing from employers? Well, that it's a real headache dealing with this stuff. Uh, Michael Schmidt is a New York employment lawyer, and he says it is legal to mandate vaccination. But that's not an employer's only concern. This has been a, an extremely toxic topic, an extremely emotional, you know, whether it's political reasons, whether it's personal health reasons, whether it's philosophical reasons, it almost doesn't matter. It's been a highly charged topic. You know, recently, employers like Uber and Google said they'll require vaccination of their workers. Netflix will as well for its U.S.-based cast and crews. And Mm. airlines like Delta and United will require it of new employees. But, you know, vaccine mandates are still the exception. A large majority of business employers, roughly three quarters in the surveys I've seen, have not yet embraced mandates. But a lot is changing, Steve. I'm fascinated by the idea that Delta and United would require it of new employees. I guess that's because existing employees have certain union rights and there might be some people that want to uphold those rights. But where is public opinion on mandates? Well, that also is seems to be shifting. A, a, a new 50-state survey out today from the COVID States Project, a group of university researchers, shows an increasing majority of workers, up to 70 percent, depending on the state, support the concept of governments making these shots mandatory. But of course, some people are opposed to both vaccines and mandates. And this latest survey estimates they make up about 15 to 20 percent of the eligible population. What's the alternative to a mandate if you're an employer? 
Well, a range of things, and some of which we've already seen from businesses and government, paid time off to get shots, worksite vaccinations, cash prizes like gift cards or raffles. Do those things and, work? Uh, well, le- they're less effective as time goes on because it's increasingly harder to motivate people who are still unvaccinated. Jeff Levin Schertz is an associate professor at Harvard School of Public Health and a business consultant. He estimates a $100 award, which is what President Biden is offering to the newly vaccinated, could spur an additional 4 to 5 percent of workers to get their shots. You're paying 2000 to $2,500 for every incremental vaccine. And the only question is, could you have spent those resources in a different way and gotten more than one additional person vaccinated? In other words, Steve, it's getting harder to move the needle among those already set against vaccination. Well, what are the options then? Well, that's just it. I mean, employers do have legal obligations to provide a safe workplace. And that's why Levin Schertz says he thinks employers will likely get tougher on workers as time goes on. We want to make it very convenient for people to get vaccinated. But over time, we want to make it increasingly inconvenient for people not to be vaccinated. You know, he's talking about escalating punitive measures. Those might range from requiring weekly testing of unvaccinated employees, like the federal government is talking about doing, charging unvaccinated people higher health premiums, keeping them from coming back into the office, or just firing them. But again, these are agonizing choices for the people having to make and enforce these policies, because they're dealing with workers with strongly held views on opposite ends of the spectrum. And it's a really tough job market. So employers really don't, you know, they can't afford to alienate either side and then risk these employees leaving their company. Hmm. Employees have some leverage. Yuki, thanks so much. Thank you. And Pierre's Yuki Noguchi. Gusty renegade context of white supremacy. In for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 30, 2021. So I have been told. Our weekly broadcast on neutralizing workplace racism. We will get to our emails and callers and the vaccine that is dominating all the discussions around workplace racism and all that jazz. Uh, And you didn't have personal incident. I can go first because I talked to a black person who was having huge problems uh, with workplace racism. But uh, before we get to all that, I'll give out the number, email address, all that good stuff. I just want to make sure I include for the record, like, wow, I've written on social media. 2021 has been the most grueling, difficult, unenjoyable, just wow. I am not sure I will survive 2021. I think I said that Monday when Angie Schmidt was here. Things have not improved. In fact, since Monday, when I said that, that's how we began the program. I said it's just been awful every day, grueling every day. Wow. Might not make it through the year. I've had to call Seattle police three times since Monday. That's five days. Three police calls three days in a row. (sighs) Might not make it. Racist white supremacists have been at the center of it all. Through it all, though, Gusty has been on the counter-racist grind. Wow, I've written about it with thinking I'd have to do a program about it at some point, but 
it's uh, it's so expansive, it would take a long time. I can say, since this definitely relates to neutralizing workplace racism, documentation. Uh, documenting and making reports where it's not, you're not just, uh, as Mr. Fuller would say, he said, he said, she said, emojis and all that like getting in a in a pattern in a habit of speaking about if it's something serious if it's mistreatment uh we took to be talking a criminal violation or policy and procedure violation in a workplace situation talking about that in a serious manner at all times uh, i am making a report this is not a gripe this is not a complaint uh this is not i want to have a vent session this is a report of misconduct and looking for a permanent solution to get this solved. That's the way that we want to be in a habit of talking about things that just can be extremely beneficial. But yes, document, document, document. So critically important. Wowzers. What a week, what a month, what a year. In the midst of all of that, we have the COVID-19 situation. I think almost all of the audio reports uh, that we heard uh, to start off were in some way dealing with uh, the corona or COVID-19 situation. Wow. Uh, I don't know if we have folks uh, in a workplace where this has been like a major topic of conversation. I I know we have people in New York and California. So those two places uh, places have been mentioned. in New York this week, them saying that they wanted state workers vaccinated, got to be subjected to weekly testing. Certain of the larger cities in California have said the same thing. So I don't I know we have some folks who say, hey, I'm not super excited about this vaccine. I don't know. I have questions. I want to see more information, more data. Whew. September is going to be here quick. That's what they've been saying. September, September, September. I don't know. Earth, one and fire. Isn't that Earth, one and fire. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Maurice White, the late. Uh, but yeah, I don't know um, what, you know, September is going to be here quick. It's basically August, right? So you got 30 days to try to figure out a plan. This is, as I've been saying, this is going impact, to impact not just the workplace. Uh, if you're a student, major university, college, probably going to be the same thing. And I mean, they, as they stated, hey, there's precedent for college campuses and that sort of thing because they have international students and people coming from so many different locations that sometimes they'll have, you know, hey, it's mandatory. You got to get checked and, you know, a vaccine for all kinds of things. So they could just add COVID-19 to the list. Lots to consider. Uh, We will try and process that. If we have any folks uh, where this has come up on your job, you know, being talked about, hey, you got to be vaccinated. If you're not going to get vaccinated, got to have proof. Uh, that you've been tested and maybe subjected to some shaming and they put you over here in the corner or something to people to make faces at you and that type of thing. Uh, Let us know what's going down on your job. Have they talked? Have they provided folks with information? Does it seem like they don't care? They're not, you know, paying attention to all this. It's just business as usual. Let us know. This is when I would definitely check policy and procedure. You don't want this to just kind of slide by you. And you don't investigate it really slow to see what the requirements are and everything else. Uh, If you're not going to be vaccinated, how frequently do you have to be tested? And am I going to have to continue with social distancing for like the next five years if I work here that long? Like read all of the fine print 
uh, for your policy and procedure if there are any updates changes all of that like I said that's something that you don't want to be finding out last minute anywho uh, I said I'll give out the number two or excuse me seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate I was supposed to say also I've been at Starbucks it's been so disastrous this year I've been at the coffee shop for a number of broadcasts and I am at Starbucks now I am at the Starbucks at Alki Beach for the people who follow me on social media I posted a picture of my view like Alki Beach is the lamest beach that I've been to out of the many 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 at least dozen beaches in Seattle proper uh, this is the lamest of the beaches but still you know even a beach that I think is lame in the summertime is pretty nice not too bad to be able to sit at the beach and do the broadcast so even though it's been terrible hey look at that and I can see the Space Needle from near how about that number again is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate email is untiljustice at gmail.com untiljustice at gmail.com feel free to drop uh, a comment let us know if you figured out some things that uh, work well in the workplace I think we mentioned before about the hybrid work situation uh, and saying if folks have figured out hey take advantage a lot of folks are having a difficult time getting employees in all sectors if you are working there they're understaffed or whatever and they're trying to figure out the best way to move forward the whole COVID-19 situation if it's going to be long longer lasting take advantage uh, if you are not working from home or haven't been or whatever the case hey let's get a hybrid situation going I think we had someone who dialed in last week they said hey we did it collectively we didn't go in individually we went in as a group we the team would like, like I said, two days off. We work in the office three days, the other two were at home. They agree. Grand. Take advantage. If you have a job where you could be at home on a device of some sort and do your job, or on the phone of some sort and do your job, psh, let's get this hybrid conversation going. We have safety issues. We don't know what things are going to look like in the autumn. Get that done. And especially if you could make it a collective endeavor where maybe even you could get one or two white spokespersons to you know lead this affair and ask then the way you don't even have to do any major speaking you can contribute an idea or two sit in the back root them on and hopefully just enjoy the benefits but let us know if we have any folks if you did ask individually if you were successful or not let us know what words did you use when you made your pitch did they give you a reason for why they approved it or declined it all of that if anything though the main black self-respect you don't get anything if you don't ask so request see if you can get better resources more days off anything that would be helpful in managing all of this email again is until justice at gmail 
dot com if you want to remain anonymous and all the rest of it no problem just drop a line if you have comments to share uh, suggestions or if you have your own situation and would like logical counter racist feedback to help you solve problems without creating new problems feel free it is until justice at gmail dot com so trying to think middle part of this week which was every single day awful terrible the worst middle part of this week I'm at the co-op in what is that Capitol Hill Seattle and so there's a black female there I've talked to her I see her I've been shopping at this place for years and so I've seen her many many times we've chatted it up being uh, veggie talked about racism too with her actually so I go in a couple days ago and I'm kind of in a hurry I'm that day I was going to one of the better beaches in Seattle not lame Alki and so I'm like man I gotta roll gotta get out of here on time you know mess around with you I got plans to be at the beach so she said she's like whispering you know when you talk to someone and they're kind of keeping their voice though like they're trying to be a little bit discreet so I couldn't really hear it at first it's like what what are you talking about what what so I kept like walking kept walk forward walk forward lean over lean over and so finally she says so I was at work a couple days ago and one of the delivery drivers she said white man uh, he was coming to drop off whatever you know uh, at a store that type of thing grocery outlet people would be coming bringing produce or whatever and so she says he comes but he parks and he's blocking the driveway right and so she comes out and she's like you know pardon me sir uh, you're going to have to move your truck you're blocking the driveway people can't get out it's not safe like you know you have to park someplace else and so she says this other, one of her coworkers, white man, uh, he immediately runs over and says, whoa, 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 you don't talk to him that way. You don't come out here and get angry and yell at him like that. She says she waited. <clears throat> she punched off the clock, uh, meaning she's no longer uh, a working employee. She goes over to this white man, her colleague, and says, excuse me, uh, can I speak with you for a second, you know, over to the side? He says, oh, sure, sure, sure. They go over and she says, uh, don't you ever speak to me like that out on the main floor in front of everyone. If I've done something incorrect and I need to be corrected, you can bring me to the side and let me know. But do not yell at me. Try and show me up uh, out in front of everybody in the middle of the store. And so this white man is like, what? I give up. You, you, you are just being an angry old black woman. That's all. You're just an angry. That's all. And I, I feel attacked. You're yelling. You're raising your voice. And I just feel like you're just being a hostile, angry black woman. And so he reports her uh, at work. And so they go to talk to her about this. Like, you're being hang- hostile, angry. Mm. And so she says, uh, no. You know, uh, I, I went and asked him that he not verbally chastise me out in front of everyone while we're working. Uh, it's undermining my authority. I'm an employee employee here like everyone else. So I might need to give directives, orders uh, from time to time. Just have someone come and yell and shout me down just for asking this driver to move his illegally parked vehicle. So she says, like, the supervisor folks are like, well, well, he says you yelled at him. You know, you were you were kind of hostile. Uh, in speaking with him, she says, well, 
I logged off the clock, so technically I was not an employee at that time, and I did not yell at him. I made it clear that I did not want him to address me in that manner, but I didn't yell, I didn't curse, I wasn't hostile. I made sure he could hear me. We are in an environment where there's other noise, but hey, I was not angry, threatening, hostile. Super important. Uh, cut it at the knees. All of that. I think Walter Beach said that some years back when he was a guest on the program. Uh, retired firefighter and others have talked about that. Like as soon as you have some sort of uh, instance where they're, they're seeming like folks are trying to do some mistreatment. I'm going to come in and they love that, right? Race soldiers love that. Got a, a non-white person, especially a black person. They're supposed to be in charge or whatever, looking like they're trying to boss around some white person. Like, oh, no, you don't. Who, who, Nick, who do you think you are talking to this white man like this? I don't care where he parked at. Who are you to tell this white man what to do? You know your place. That type of, you know, we got to correct you. You know, you don't go around just telling the white man what to do. You don't go around just telling this white man that he's breaking rules. Fascinating. I do call Seattle uh, a plantation. And it seems now I was processing all this as she was telling. And I told her the same thing that I just told you all. Black self-respect. I was so proud of her for immediately like you check this this fellow who comes up and tries to call you out in front of everybody and then the folks are saying oh you were angry and hostile with your co-worker like eh, wrong I told him not to speak to me in what I deem as an unprofessional and incorrect manner period that's it no yelling no cursing no angry black woman angry black female get out of here uh, as I said I was processing all that and I was like man I didn't really want to talk to anybody like I was in a hurry. I told you I was trying to get to the beach. I was kind of in a hurry. I didn't want to chat it up. And she knew we had talked about racism before. So she knew that was like, you know, an area of interest uh, for me. So I think she had kind of been looking. Uh, she said it, it impacted her as it would, you know, your livelihood and having folks trying to write you up and get you, you know, in trouble with the uh, so-called authorities in the workplace. I told her, make sure that you take care of yourself. Some detoxing some replenishing uh, that is uh, critically important for us to manage all of these uh, traumas and incidents of uh, terrorism uh, with whites disgraceful through and through but yeah I was so glad that I took the time because normally I would have been rushing and all the rest of it in, in fact I had already gone to this store got my goodies for the beach and then I went back it was the go back for, I don't even remember what it was that I thought was so uh, necessary that I had to run back in at that moment to go check on something. But it was on the return trip that I boop, bumped into her. I was just like, wow, that was right and exact supposed to happen. She sounded like that's the reason we have this here broadcast, neutralizing workplace racism, because she sounded like she kind of needed to be able to discuss what was happening here and needed some support in that. And I <laughs> I can overstand like a million percent. But yeah, it made sense afterwards. Like, oh, okay, you were supposed to be here, help support another victim of racism, black female, workplace racism. You can even talk about that on the program. First time, last night, last time, somebody comes and they're doing that sort of thing to you, address it 
as soon as you can directly calmly that might even be one that you can do in writing as well but let people know like hey there are standards I have boundaries about how people are going to talk to me treat me in a workplace environment number gain 720 <clears throat> excuse me 720 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate the email until justice at gmail.com uh, if you have either your own situation the vaccine situation uh, if you are one of the folks who made a request uh, for the hybrid work situation so you could be at home a little safer a few days a week definitely let us know uh, let's see our caller in New Jersey uh, should be with us. Good to hear from you, sir. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry, Gus. I was muted. I'm sorry. I'm steady talking. How you doing, Gus? Right, Paul. Uh, victim from right. Um. Okay. Two. 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 Uh, things. Um. I'm. 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 I'm sure it, the second thing I'm gonna speak about. It's work related. Um, so you know, I as before I started the uh, the new plantation. Um, it, it's 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 more you know more hours, uh, heavier load, strenuous, more money. Um, jokingly, <laughs> I uh, I went to New Orleans uh, last week, and uh, so I I took two days off, matter of fact, three, and I'm um, only worked three days. And, you know, to tell you, to give you an example of, you know, I'm, how much money I'm making more than the last uh, job, I worked uh, three days and I got my three-day check and it was about the same amount of money that I made at the old plantation with the $3 raise. <laughs> so I just felt... So that was uh, interesting. So I don't, I don't regret leaving. And um, the trucking business is, um, is, 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 it's doing well. Uh, my partner, who's driving the truck, um, you know, we have a good relate, we have a good relationship. Um, you know, black black men can um, do wonders and make things happen. Um, we're just kind of like trust and respect, and that's the relationship we have. So um, I'm on the job, and when they have new drivers, they they may pair you up. So I went out with this other driver, uh, Jamaican man, um, Jamaican born, and um, the day started out okay, but he 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 kept trying to like, you know, just basically talk about racism, but not in a sense where we're talking about um, white supremacy. It was more or less talking about the lack thereof or black, black Americans not being ambitious. So he's in the truck. He's lecturing me about, you know, what's wrong with black Americans. You know, I tried my best to avoid it. I just gave, you know, short answers um, I was in a truck with this guy for like 10 hours. So, 
um, it's kind of hard to not have any kind of conversation with them, you know. So um, I, I kept trying to just avoid the conversation. And basically, you know, I gave them just short answers. You know, there was something where I was just talking about black Americans. And I said, look, sir, you know, both can be true. Blacks, black Americans be, can be victims of racism and also individually can, you know, hold themselves accountable. And, and I just left it there. Um, I think where I went wrong, <laughs> you know, as I'm driving, um, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of, it kind of irritated me just, just to hear just kind of like the anti-blackness coming from um, this particular guy. And he also spoke about, you know, um, how do I feel that he's from the islands and he's come and he's, you know, he's doing okay for himself. And, you know, so I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel no way. Like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty okay for myself. So, um, a while he, he kind of got upset because I did, I did, did, I did participate in some name calling that was wrong. Um, and it wasn't nothing like, you know, uh, you know, cursing him or anything, you know, he kept talking and just kind of like trying to impose his philosophies on him. So I said, look, so I called him instead of his name, I called him Socrates. I said, look, Socrates, I'm just trying to get back to the warehouse. Honestly, I really don't want to have this conversation. With you. you know what I mean? It, it's not going to go anywhere. Me and your philosophies don't align. I'm cool. So after a while, he got upset, and you know, and I don't know how he just it just went from zero to sixty to use a metaphor, and he spoke about how he doesn't, you know, he he he's not here for friends, and you know, I'm he he knows what I'm doing. I'm I'm manipulating, you know, because I'm not I'm not being open with him. I'm just giving him short answers, and you know, so I seen him a few days later and um we we kind of de-escalated the situation and we got back to the warehouse and you know and i just left it like that so i seen him i seen him one morning you know he spoke i spoke hey good morning so then i'm getting out the truck and he he calls me uh b-i-c-t-h hey you know and i'm like oh <laughs> i'm like okay like i mean we that familiar so i really didn't you know i just kind of took a deep breath and I just kind of walked off. So I've been contemplating on like, okay, you know, that job is strenuous. A lot of these drivers don't stay real long. So this is a guy that might not even stay with the company for a long time. So I'm like, okay, how do I, how am I going to engage him? So I just basically, I did the best thing that I could do. Um, I didn't report him. I didn't, you know, go to any supervisor or anything. I didn't threaten, you know, to fight, you know, because he, 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 I mean, I, I really was upset and, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a little rough on the, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I have a history. I'm, I'm older now. I don't have to resort to using my hands. I can talk my way out of situations, but yes, if you would have caught me years prior, I would have, I would have, um, I would have basically, you know, it probably would have went another way. So I just basically ignored him. So now that I just, that's my, my, uh, my code. Um, so when I see him, I just ignore him 
And my response, I said, if he were to ever come to me again and call me out my name, that's when I basically have to, you know, verbally check him. So I'm just trying to keep my distance. I don't even really want to have, I don't even want to conversate with this particular guy, you know? So, but this job, you can go days without seeing drivers. There's so many drivers, um, you know, we, we, we go in and come out at different times. So avoiding this guy would be very easy, but I was, I was very just like turned off by just the black, you know, just the anti-blackness that he was, you know, talking pertaining to black Americans. Um, and I close with this. The second thing, I don't know if it's workplace racism, but I don't know what the policies is with Ubers. But, you know, I was in Atlanta. I mean, I was in New Orleans, me and my girlfriend, and we're going back to the airport, and it's a white guy. And, um, you know, I get into the car. He's listening to right-wing radio, and as I get in, they're talking about the vaccination. So immediately they're on the news talking about how black people in New York City is the, the you know is leading in being unvaccinated right after that white man engages in a conversation and the conversation goes into how he doesn't trust the government and how he's not getting vaccinated and, and i just found this so funny i'm like as the news is saying black people aren't getting vaccinated i'm in the, i'm in the uber with a white man that's basically saying, you know, he's not getting vaccinated and, you know, they're going to have to take him dead or alive. So that was real interesting. And as I got out the Uber, you know, he says, hey, you know, we in this together. I got your back. I found that so hilarious. But I don't think that, you know, you're working like you're an Uber driver. You, you don't really know my philosophy. The same thing with the uh, the co-worker. Like, you don't, you don't know somebody's philosophy. And if you're on a workplace to just kind of, like, intrude and just spark these conversations, I just think it's real unprofessional. But um, that's my spill about, you know, my workplace experience in these uh, last few days. Well, uh, I guess maybe not lost in the shuffle uh congrats on the extra nickels that's always helpful uh on the plantation that was you know the whole reason for swapping plantations to begin with if i could get in a quick question uh, i always think it's great great opportunity to learn when victims of racism white supremacy we know you know right what our code is or we know like hmm, could have said something better next time or maybe i would not have said x y and Z, I would have done this or whatever. So with this situation with this uh, non-white coworker, we, man, remember we used to have entire programs where nobody had an issue with any non-white person. Or excuse me, with any white person, it was all problems with non-white coworkers and anti-blackness. Which all of that is a huge problem in the workplace. But I mean, that used to really dominate the neutralizing workplace racism discussions for a long period. Uh, so if you had this to do over again. What do you think would be the best way to try to neutralize this conflict with this non-white male? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even have. Um, because I, I just gave short responses. Um, I should have just quickly changed the conversation and just basically focused on the work workplace, you know. But being in the truck for eight and nine hours, you know. 
I mean, you know, you, and, and if, if somebody's constantly and, and, it, and, you know, this is this is an area of interest for me, you know, racism and, um, you know, black self-respect. So it, it was it was just but I should have practiced a little bit more discipline, understood who I was talking to, because as through question and answers and I just was asking questions and those questions led me to um, the answer that I was eternally asking and you know am i in the truck with a black victim that practices anti-blackness or has a lot of anti-black views and my answer was yes um so i would have i would have i would have quickly i would have sooner than later i would have changed the conversation which i eventually did but being in the truck for that long, being in close proximity, and all, we veered off into other conversations. So I guess those conversations made him feel comfortable with, you know, now joking or playing with me. And at one point, he even got serious because I I began to not engage him in um, certain conversations. So I should have just from the from the beginning, I should have just kept it real professional and just you know, maybe turn the radio up and just just focused on the job. I mean, he's new to the job, so I could have just basically been coaching him on the do's and don'ts. But this particular guy, he got into the truck with an attitude that he has information to offer that is, you know, important for me to hear. So he already came into the to the workplace or to the truck and – you know, I guess measured me up and just thought that, you know, he had something to teach me, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's, that's the best I think I I could have did. Hmm. Love it. Always think there's a great opportunity because we will get opportunities to do better, to show our uh, learning what we learned from the last time that we went through those type of experiences and I think that's fantastic Uh, if anything I think just for me that's a reminder how successful races have been that anti-blackness where we're not really like looking at other black people for constructive information I guess some people might say hey he said this guy was born outside the states that's why I'm with ADOS, ADOS, right? We had a person who wrote in. She said that, hey, it's just us black people born in the States. Well, VGQ, Victims Guaranteed Qualified. Victims Guaranteed Qualified. Say it that way. Make sure it's explicit. That said. Like, oh, yes. Yes, sir. Oh, no, but I mean, but as far as like the technique of... Um ignoring or in, uh, or trying to avoid them. I mean, do you think um, that's a good good way to move forward with dealing with this uh, this particular guy? That's, oh. that's basically been my code. I said, I'm, I'm just going to ignore him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's just it's so common where we're not looking to engage for something constructive. Like you said, this guy's a new employee. He could have, you know, been coming in like, Hey man, you know, can you tell me some tips or things that would be helpful to know? Like what were some tough things about this job for you or blah, 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 or 
just that alone you know you're looking to start your own company like y'all could have talked about that maybe it's you know so many different the vaccine policy have you been uh got your jab yet like what do you think about that like there's so many things to talk about how do we drift into you know the nigger is shiftless and lazy (laughs) i'll need to laugh that's exactly what's my thought Uh, and and i'm just like as you're as you're talking about lazy, you know, Negroes, I mean, you're in a truck with a Negro that's working. So it was just I don't know. And the company is filled with other lazy Negroes that go to work every day. So I don't know. The lazy Negro will be the downfall of civilization. You know? That and I guess I could only say that's why, you know, many folks have said, Hey, when I go on a job, and I see another person classified as black. I don't think that's my homie. That's my brother. That's my sister. I don't think that because I haven't, as you said, I don't know anything about this person. Most black people, non-white people that I bump, bump into have not read like Dr. Cam Bond, Dee Fuller Jr., Pamela Evans Harris. Like that's not most of the non-white people that I bump into. So generally I don't have high hopes of thinking that, wow, this is going to be a constructive, courteous problem-solving, non-white person who wants the best for both of us and is working and doing all they can to replace white supremacy with justice as best they know how. Like, I don't think that, and especially not in a work environment. Like, I don't think that at all. I don't think that's logical, uh, and I don't encourage other folks. Uh, when they start down that path, like, if you start off, like, oh, okay, how long you been on this job, and blah, 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 and all that. Like you said, he got comfortable. And then, too, those jobs where you're sitting in the cab, that's another one where I think that's, you know, you just kind of have to weigh out like, man, like how far am I going to deviate in terms of the conversation and just really being mindful about what we're talking about with anybody, white or non-white person. But once they start to kind of, oh, yeah, I'm comfortable. And I think, too, when you talk about, hey, I, I get some level of familiarity with this person because we're riding around in kind of close quarters, right, in a car together. I suspect his conduct maybe would have been a little different if you were classified as white like I think he maybe he would have got a little bit more comfortable and talked about this or talked about that or what have you but I don't know if he's gonna call a white man who is a co-worker a bitch in a workplace setting like that's like you're a nigra the man not I know I can you know I can talk to you a certain way I can treat you a certain way. That's that idiot with that shirt. He said, please treat me like I am a white man. Not that I would suggest anyone wear any trash like that to work. Oof. But I'm just saying that was the spirit uh, behind the that wardrobe piece of clothing. Like, I just don't think he would have been like he maybe would have got into his diatribe about, you know, lazy black people. Maybe not. I don't know. But I suspect he would not have been that comfy. Um. I always think it's good. I think we talked about this one before, too. When when the subject starts to drift into something non-constructive, just, you know, I prefer to not talk about this. Let's pick a new topic if they're going to be insistent on it. Just it's nothing personal. Just I try not to get into too many political subjects in the workplace. 
Talks lots of things that we could talk about. Man, have you seen the vaccination pot? And you can even do some compensatory conversation control if they, you know, as you say, give some resistance. Like, hey, what do you mean? We brothers chilling in the cab. We talk. What do you mean? Giving all these short. You know, it's nothing personal. I just, you know, it's part of my workplace code. I just don't go in and, and talking about this and that. I'm not trying to have political arguments with people who might have a decision about me getting a raise or a bonus at some point. So just try to keep it about the job. Like I said, in the immediate pivot, man, did you see the Rona policy? Like, we got so much to talk about. Like, you just started here. Like, let's get to that. Let's get all the work stuff out of the way first. And that's going to take up all the time. Uh, but, yeah, I think ignoring excellent. Hmm where you don't have to respond. Now, you said he got mad even with that. That that would just further solidify for me why we don't need to talk about this. Because if we're just talking about the Rona pot, well, I guess that's a bad example. But generally speaking, if we're just talking about what it is, what is the policy and getting information about that, if it changed, that shouldn't be something where we're ready to come to blows and name calling and all the rest of it. We're just talking about workplace information and making sure you have all the information as a new hire. That shouldn't be like combative uh, dialogue and it does, I mean that is a part of the system though where non-white people anything you don't have to say anything you don't have to do anything no reason needed for a conflict with a negro white people to blame for that too uh, let's see no name calling I guess to Socrates maybe maybe he wasn't pleased about it. this negro think he is calling me Socrates and have some Anywho, anywho, uh, gotta be patient. I said that so many times. Being patient, great job being patient and you know taking a deep breath too. I was gonna say that my own personal situation, keeping your composure is so critically important. I think a lot of times I'll say that race soldiers they'll be doing things to try to bait you and antagonize you, which is true, but sometimes non-white people do the same thing so you really have to keep your composure and not let them get you all riled up and you're ready to curse someone look at you what are you, who are you calling a bee like you said if he had caught you maybe when you were a little less mature a little bit younger still learning he calls you the b word and it could have been a totally different incident and then race soldiers could have come in and fired two black people gotta keep your composure that's you can think everything else that we talk about for neutralizing workplace racism is rubbish and useless. Maintaining your composure is key. Go outside, take a break, get some deep breaths, drink some water, whatever you need to do, but maintain your composure. You can't have one of those. They call I blew a gasket. You know, he, he hit a nerve and I just couldn't take it. And race soldiers generally win those every time if they can get us to blow a gasket. Let's see. Uh, much obliged. Our caller victim in New Jersey. Um, mm, 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 mm. Retired firefighter in Florida. I saw a report with the racism in the fire department this uh, this week. What, did I see that? Am I making that up? Let's see. Yep, there it is. Black Latino L.A. firefighters call for probe of racial bias. Hear that all that oh wait a minute, wait a minute, we're gonna a little bit. It says leaders of two organizations of black and Latino, there's that word again, members of the Los Angeles Fire Department have called for a federal investigation into what they allege is widespread racial bias and other wrongdoing in the agency's treatment of employees. The demand for an inquiry by the US Attorney's Office follows a Times report this week on allegations that a high ranking white official in the LA Fire Department received 
preferential treatment after he was reported to be under the influence of alcohol or drugs while on duty at the department's headquarters. Woo! I will stop there. It goes on. <laughs> That's what I said. How are you going to be boozing on the fire truck? Come on, retired firefighter. Did y'all have six packs hidden, stashed away on the fire truck? Uh, are you kidding? There there were several uh, drivers who were not only drunk, but alcoholics. <laughs> several of them that I work with that were alcoholics. That was driving the truck. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I was just listening to uh, the uh, uh, the I believe the, the caller from New Jersey in his report, and uh, I don't think I don't think in my twenty eight some twenty seven twenty eight some odd years on that job that I haven't experienced some some piece of uh, problems involving with other non-white people and even more specifically non-white people who are racially classified as black. And, uh, he certainly brought up, brought up one. I, I would say my, my antidote to it would be similar to, uh, it would be with the, uh, with, with the case, like you mentioned earlier before with the, uh, with the, uh, <clears throat> white female who's getting, getting chastised by a a black female that was getting chastised by the uh white male and uh it, it, you you got to you got to deal with that immediately uh it, it seems as though the caller from New Jersey he got to it he got to it and further back he started getting to what would be the answer uh how he explained that uh you know uh I don't uh, talk about that subject, those, those particular type of subjects and whatnot, that sort of thing. And I understand because in his profession, you know, as far as drivers, uh, it's it's almost, I was about to say necessary, but it's common that you would, you know, kind of like be in a conversation with that person because you, I imagine sitting up in a, in a truck, two people, and you and you're driving for ten hours. <laughs> I don't. I, I think it'd be it'd be difficult for two people just to be totally quiet. Uh, I would suggest if he haven't already thought of it, is to get some earmuffs <laughs> and play music if he's not driving himself. You know. Uh, you know that would be uh, something that uh, one can do. And uh, as soon as soon as, and, in other words, don't 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 be the aggressor at striking up the conversation. See what the other person has on their mind. Uh, it will be my suggestion, also, and uh, primarily ask questions. Uh, almost never make statements. Ask questions. Uh, even if, when it's something that you know that is not something that uh, would be a constructive conversation, 
and then come with your your your, your statement. I mean, even even if you even if you have to practice it to make that statement about you know I have you know a policy of not you know talking about uh, certain subjects. Uh, and, uh, I just make it a practice upon myself to talk about, uh, subjects involving the workplace so I don't get into any conflict with anyone. And the person can tell, the person can tell by the tone of your voice. If it's a professional, uh, not necessarily, uh, angry, but, but a serious, uh, input, then, then, you know, they would either, change the subject themselves or, you know, you can't have a conversation with just one person talking, you know, and, uh, and, and, and off of what I've heard, if there's some sort of way where you can go to your employer and state that I would, I don't never care to be in a vehicle with that person for the remainder of my time on the job, that may be something to consider also. Uh, anytime a person will call you that type of, identify you in that type of way, uh, I, I put that on a level of hostility, which can have uh, dire consequences to it. Yeah. So uh, I would not be interested in being in the, in the same, almost the same room with that person, let alone talking about in a, in a truck. <laughs> You know, no. And uh, so that, that's just some things I was just thinking about as he was giving a report. Uh, I've made all those mistakes, too. I've made, all, I've made all, almost all of those mistakes myself. But I would say based on what I heard is that the part that you were stating in the latter part of your report, that goes first. I would, that, that would go first, right? That nip in the words, it goes back to the nip it in the bud. Nip it. In the bud. Yeah, that's it. Nip it in the bud. Context of white supremacy. Very important. Uh, and lots of us, you know, have, have had that difficulty, that problem, being in a workplace environment and... Uh, especially if it's another non-white person, you want to think, oh, okay, this person, victim of racism, and especially, like you said, quote, close quarters, and you're there for a long time, like, oh, okay, we can talk about some other things and that sort, but, yeah, uh, generally speaking, and just, I, I can't emphasize enough, victim of racism in New Jersey, if he was white, no way in the world. I think his conduct would have been totally different. Not going to call you a bitch. I suspect he would probably have been a lot more professional. That's just the general tendency. It's a lot of liberties that we do not take with individuals classified as white, uh, where we would feel much more freedom uh, to do so with someone who is a black person. Um, Yeah, just I think that's the best policy. And that's part of the reason why uh, because that is so so common uh, where even in a workplace black people are just not treated with the same sort of uh, respect decorum uh, that white people are and that's just a really crass example like are you kidding like 
how is that 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 might even one I would have probably have to say something to someone like if we're going to be working together like planned ignoring definitely works that's a plus there too you don't have to say a word calls you hey B and you just keep right on rolling that certainly works but that might be one I might have to pull a person to the side like hey man and you can even stay in the question lane uh Nathan the CEO of the company do you greet him I said hey what's up B you yell across the room no okay uh, Sheila, she's down in human resources. Do you tell her, hey, what's up, Sheila B? That's my favorite B, Sheila. Do you do that? No, I might ask a few questions because maybe maybe he greets everybody calling them the B. Now, if that's not the case, well, then no. we certainly, if you don't talk to everybody here that way, then no, you're not going to just come here and direct all of your filth uh, at me. Talk to me the same way that you talk to everybody else. Now, if you do talk to everybody here, like that woof I gotta hear this even then it's not gonna be acceptable with me but I gotta hear this I gotta see this like you talk to white people like this in a professional work environment show me better than you can tell me let's see it <laughs> like, come on come on cause that's extra common uh, in the world again just showing I think that's in Carter G. Woodson Miseducation of the Negro he talked about how they would he has a whole chapter on that as a matter of fact where he talked about how black uh managers and supervisors would have a really hard time when they were trying to manage non-white people and then they would bring in a white manager everything's calm smooth no question asking uh no question asking no back talking now again white people are to blame for that but that doesn't make it any better doesn't change the situation either in terms of the anti-blackness and disrespect that we've been programmed to have exhibit towards other individuals who are black Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. Name again, seven two or excuse me, number seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one. If you would like to participate, email untiljustice at gmail.com. Let's see. Folks have other thoughts, observations. To, oh, before we, I do see the other folks who dialed in with the hand up. Caller 4797, you are on deck. I do want to emphasize, I didn't get my spiel in at the beginning. It's been such a dastardly year week all of the above if this broadcast not for spectators right you don't need those if you figured out some sort of code what to say what words to use uh to get that extra time two days at home three days in the office or even really see if you can get three days at home two days in the office whatever uh, if you figured that out you figured out how to get your raises you figured out how to make sure you don't ever have anyone speak to you in less than professional terms in the workplace ever white or non-white please share because we need that sort of code even if it's one component of that let us know 720-716-7300 decode 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate if there's been any discussion of the vaccine policy changing it requiring uh, employees to get vaccinated. I've seen in some spots where they've said 
You don't get vaccinated, no job. No jab, no job. Out of here. If they're talking about any of that, let us know if that's impacting your thought process about the vaccine. If you're one of the folks who's like, man, I got some questions and I want some more information or at least I want some more time, you know, to kind of make my mind about all this, which is logical. Uh, if you're one of those folks and now this is, you know, got you kind of in a, in a tizzy trying to figure out what to do, let us know. I uh, would be grand to hear. Email again is until justice at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. 4797, as I said, should be with us. Good evening, may I be hurt? Yes, sir. Uh, good evening. Thank you uh, to the host, uh, Gus, and to the listeners and the callers uh, for listening and for offering great suggestions. Uh, I have one report to make, uh, is, and that is um, I've had been having an issue with my payment from one of the companies that I uh, work for. I'm a private contractor. I drive uh, rideshare in New York City. And one of the companies that I drive for had not paid me, and uh, it was two consecutive weeks, and they were saying that the issue was with the direct deposit, that something was wrong with the account number that I had, <clears throat> excuse me, that I had been using from the very beginning of driving with them, which was about three years ago. Uh, so I've had the consistent same bank account information with them for at least three years. And suddenly last two weeks, I've had issues with receiving my, uh, my payment. And I've went to my, um, resources, which was to email their payment, uh, department. And someone contacted me, but it was a very slow process when someone is emailing you and you have to wait for that, uh, when you're emailing someone and then you have to wait for a response, it usually takes about 24 hours. And this went on for the better part of two weeks where two consecutive payments were missed. And during the course of uh, resolving the issue, I asked questions regarding uh, other drivers. Had this happened to them? No one had, said that this has happened to them. So I did uh, escalate matters into a uh, person who I believe is non-white. I've only been able to communicate with this person via text message, email, and via telephone. That person escalated the issue on my behalf, and it was resolved within, I would say, about three to four business days. Um, But I actually inquired via email, what was the issue that prevented me from receiving my payment for two consecutive weeks? And this had been going on, uh, this is, uh, this had been going on, uh, where I'd sent, uh, maybe about eight emails to try to resolve the issue to the payment department. And finally, uh, when I asked what the issue was after I had received my payment, <clears throat> which was two and a half weeks late, the person said that or wrote to me that the issue was that there was a uh, a character that was added to my bank account information, which prevented the deposit from being directed to my account. Um, 
I'm somewhat satisfied with the result was with the result of uh, the accounts issue being resolved. However, it has uh, been very concerning to me that I have may, have, may have been targeted um, due to my uh, work efficiency with this one company. I am very efficient in how I uh, do my job, and so I get things done as quickly as I can, uh, and I still get the same amount of payment. And that may have been an issue for them and that they were not able to um, res- um, keep my time um, ongoing. Uh, at any rate, uh, I don't want to ramble on, but um, I'm still trying to figure out what the issue might have been, why I may have been targeted, if I have, was targeted to make me frustrated enough to just no longer work for that particular company. Um, but I certainly have begun to get my myself in a position where I am not dependent on that company. Uh, I am uh, also very grateful um, that I was able to have enough savings that I was able to not uh, miss paying my bills uh, or I was not late paying any bills. But that was an issue that could have resulted in me uh, being late in making bill payments, making rent payments, not having enough money to purchase fuel. But um, I was, I'm very grateful that I was able to squirrel away some income so that I did have enough funds for an emergency. But uh, that's all I wanted to report for now. Uh, I'm sorry if I uh, was uh, incoherent uh, regarding that. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, I understood you. I thought you were uh, lucid. I reckon some of the folks that are listening in, they can ask questions or what have you if something um, was ambiguous. But, I mean, hey, I don't think there's a whole lot of confusion about not paying niggers correctly. That is like as old as Methuselah, biblical reference on them. You know, like we take them to church today. Um, that, if anything, uh, that is one I encourage that'll be, you know, maybe a painful uh, reminder for folks uh, about being mindful. Check your documents, right, for whatever your pay is supposed to be, because we've had lots of folks all over the world, lots of folks who have commented, man, I was supposed to get paid this week. And they said my check was supposed to be three thousand dollars. And I go and look and they gave me three hundred dollars. Took them five weeks to find that extra zero. We've had tons of the no like no explanation. Be in Toronto, she said that's supposed to get my Rona money. We're supposed to get our essential aid, uh, extra pay, and all the rest of it. Where's our funds at? No answer. Happy to keep at. Where do you know? Can you give us any information? What happened there? No answer. So, yeah, I got it. That is very very common, and particularly when these type of things happen, and it's not really a reason given as to why you were targeted why did this happen why did this take so long to resolve as you said I mean two weeks is a long that's like almost another pay period basically for people who are paid on like a bi-weekly basis two weeks like for some people what they call uh, paycheck to paycheck that's what it is if you live paycheck to paycheck and you have to wait a week because you didn't get your paycheck like my god like (laughs) 
that could have been disastrous. All all the things that white people talk about ruining your credit, as you said, ruining your credit, or do I not have gas? You know, you filled me up with McDonald's and high fructose corn syrup. Am I not gonna be able to get my my insulin? And you got diabetes on me now, and all the rest of it. Does not get any better than tacky. That's another one uh, where I say, in my view, check your policy and procedure uh, because white people know that. And I mean, sometimes it'll just be a clerical error, error, uh, like for real. Sometimes uh, someone's thumb slipped or they hit a wrong key or, you know, whatever it is. But we are in a system of white supremacy racism. All of that said, check your policy and procedure because frequently uh, they'll have uh, at least a sentence or two, if not an entire procedure about this is the protocol uh, if there may be an error with your pay. This is the procedure to address that and we'll audit it or whatever. And maybe even this is the timeline. Like that sort of thing is for sure supposed to be due process. Not we'll take our sweet time and get to this, you know, when we feel like it. Glad you were uh, frugal. Had some coins uh, saved up. I think Mr. Fuller does encourage to not have one of those super, you know, extravagant uh, lifestyles where you got to go out to eat every week and door dash and take every trip and brand new car. Save those nickels for situations like this. Save those nickels. Keep your expenses low. Racists will be looking to cause you problems where it might be helpful to have a few extra nickels saved up to help solve a problem or three. Keep an eye on the pay stub, sir. Wage theft is rampant uh, on the plantation. Uh, let's see. Other folks who we have missed totally, uh, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Hello. Our caller in Georgia. Yes, ma'am. Hi, good evening. I hope everyone's having the best evening they can have. Um, I think you'll ask some questions about what to do if people call you out your name or speak inappropriately in the workplace. Um, I guess maybe because I maybe I was I did this because I was younger and I was like whatever. Um, but at my I guess the first company I worked for, um, the morale I guess it started going down a little bit. And, you know, people would just start talking. It'd be a whole lot of cursing. I mean, not necessarily cursing at me, but I was just like, I thought we were, I'm thinking to myself, I thought we were at work. So we had this big meeting. I mean, it was big. I want to say at least 100 people could be more. I just don't want to exaggerate. That's why I don't have it. I know it's definitely 100 people. Um, we talked about the transitions and all of this and, you know, kind of the morale and all that. And I wasn't a perfect, I wasn't. I was a good employee, but I wasn't perfect. So I was like, I know I'm not a perfect employee, blah, blah, blah. But I'm tired of all this cursing around here. All this is unnecessary. Um, and I guess they kind of look like, oh, for real. Um, well, you know, it's kind of hard to, I guess, react when, well, for the other people to react. Because, I mean, there were at least a good hundred people. And this was like, like my boss was there. He was just in the he or she at the time was just in the crowd. And this was like the big boss, you know, who was telling me. And I told him. That's why I, I guess they were like, oh, well. But um, no one really said anything to me. But I did notice one time some people were talking. I think they might have started thinking about saying some bad words. And I was just walking by, going from the bathroom back to my desk. They did kind of quiet up and 
I guess, continue to say whatever they were going to say. Um, like, I wasn't going around listening to people's conversations, but these were the conversations that were happening, and it was just unnecessary. Um, so I was just like, I'm not here for this. Um, and some of these stories I made a talk, I made a talk before, so I do apologize. I know I had one, one coworker that said I was, um, this was at another job, saying that I was humming too loudly. And so I was like, okay. But then they would talk over me to the, um, coworker behind me. We were in cubicles. So they were like in front talking. The person in front told me to stop. Well, yeah, pretty much said stop yelling, stop humming. And the person, but she was yelling over my cube to the coworker behind me. So I said, either you gonna stop yelling or I'm gonna start humming. So she stopped yelling for a few minutes, for a few days. Then she started yelling again. That was the humming. That was the end of that. Cause no, that was not gonna happen. Um, and then as an educator in college, where you teach white people, you know, when you teach, you try to. And I want you know, let's say don't let your guard down, but you have to kind of, I don't know, nowadays when you teach, you have to be like a show person. You can't just teach the subject. Like when I went to school, like my teachers didn't try to be my friend and be, be showy. They taught the materials. This was it. Now you have to, you know, like I said, speak a lot of metaphors. I don't know, act like you, I'm, it's a lot. But sometimes when you do that, they get too familiar I had one white student say, hey, girlfriend. I said, no, 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 ma'am. Um, my girlfriend, I'm your teacher. No, ma'am, we will not be having that. Um, I had one student, a male student, he said something similar. Hey, baby, hey, came in. I said, you will not be in this class today. And I sent him out the class. I said, no, 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 we will not be doing this. And we're not trying to teach the class. So you do have to stop. You do have to stop these things right away. Um, and they they already don't think that favorably about you. Otherwise, they wouldn't think to say these certain things. So you just have to say, you know, say the truth about the situation. Oh, then I have one other time. My boss, I guess, I don't know. I think she was in a bad mood or something, and he she was reprimanding me, and I was not went to leave. She got mad. She said, "I didn't tell you to leave." I'm like, "Okay, whatever." And then she told me about one of the little white coworkers that was scared of me. I said, "Well, who is it?" And she kept she didn't want to say. I said, "I kept saying, who is it? Who is it?" And then she told me who it was. So I went right to that person. I said, "I'm a professional person with a license. I'm not losing my license over you, so you do not have to worry." Okay. And then I went back and said, that'll do my job. So those are my reports. Thank you. Got another angry black female. This one in Georgia. It started out with angry black female here in uh, Seattle area. And now she's out frightening, timid, uh, afraid white women in the workplace. And my goodness. Uh, much obliged to our caller uh, in Georgia. Setting boundaries. Really, that's how I classify all of that. Setting boundaries. What is acceptable? You have physical boundaries in terms of you know people touching you or being in your space and all the rest of it. You also have boundaries about how people are going to talk to you. We heard from our caller in New Jersey uh, having somebody, hey, B. Not B in Canada, B-I-T-C-H. You know? uh, and then boundaries as you just said you know i'm not gonna allow students to come in hey girlfriend what's cracking hey baby 
and none of that is a good look uh, in the workplace, especially with children. Like, woo, not a good look at all. And really, I just chalked that up. Being oh, no, I only teach adults. Uh-uh. Oh, that's right. That's right. Always think classroom, you know, younger people, but older folks are still learning too. Either way, in a classroom setting, eh, not a good look. Little folks, older folks, even if we were at a college setting, hey, baby, eh, professor, instructor, whatever my name is, if we're doing that, fine. Baby, girlfriend, no, thank you. Just setting boundaries in terms of how people address you. And that's one the same way, really, in terms of setting boundaries with we talked about physical contact where people come in and they're touching you and you know it might start off with just a hand on the shoulder you know hand on the back something that's not you know groping and x-rated and all the rest but that oh okay i can do that oh okay let's go now go down the arm let's try the leg you know just see how far i can go if there's no boundary set be a professional as she said being a professional in the workplace and i think it's long term to your benefit when you behave like that when they see you like oh okay she's about being professional she's not in here trying to curse and build floor and this and touching on everybody and good morning sir good morning or calling people by their name shouldn't have all these goofy nicknames probably like hmm okay okay that sticks out then you get to a situation with hey 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 we got important things to do nobody told you to go we got important things to talk about here frightening white women and they're like what Frightening who? Doing what? Question Lane. What did I say exactly to frighten this person? Licensed professional. I'm not here for vendetta. Like that's standard too. The caller in New Jersey was talking about it. Just some things. Unfortunately, you already have to think. Like it seems like it's very possible, male or female, I could be branded a angry black person. What will be my code for that? It's very power, my response, if you want to say it that way. What will be my response? Because it seems very likely a white person could accuse me of intimidating them or scaring them. What do I think is the best response to that? People calling you, you know, little nicknames and that sort of thing. Hopefully not cursing at you, but uh, what's your response? But some of these, it's just immediate. That's not my name. Do not curse at me ever just immediate you know in terms of how you want to be addressed in the workplace the cursing woo, that is near to my heart and it's not even like she said I'm not, I'm not you know that prudish I'm not perfect I have been you know sailor's mouth uh, profanity user myself filth filth florin filth frequently uh, but I can really appreciate keeping it G-rated one context of white supremacy we did have justice even though she's you know over 20 now but she was hanging out here uh when she was just 10 years old uh i think it's super important uh and being able to the way that you talk this is the way that i talk at all times i don't have to switch things up those work environments uh, i've seen that where it's a lot of uh profanity and things same thing i said before to the fellow that was talking to the caller in new jersey now if it's just us and, you know, it's filth, Florin, filth, Florin, blah, blah, blah. And then that go, moves over into now. I got to be a bit a B and all the rest of it. Now, when the white people come. When it's time to do your yearly performance evaluation. Are you calling people bees and cursing and all that then? No. OK, well, then it's my man, Mr. Fuller. He said, don't you believe in equality? Like, what's going on here? 
How come you don't treat everybody the same? Like, what's going on? You scared of white people? <laughs> Woo! Ask that one to see what they say in the workplace. But, yeah, I'm all about no cursing in the workplace. We're supposed to be professional. And I just think it's something about cursing that sends a message in terms of we're not really serious. Uh, and I think a lack of respect for the environment in terms of how I'm speaking, how I'm thinking even. Uh, I just... If you're in a court of law for most people, remember, or I guess the folks who heard the book club, we read Last Man Standing. Julius Butler, who's a FBI informant, police informant, got on the stand and started cursing. Johnny Cochran said, whoa, whoa, whoa. The legend. Got on, he said, Johnny Cochran said, whoa, whoa, whoa. In a court of law, watch your language. Though using those curse words and what have you, it sends a message uh, about the people that you're talking to, about the environment that you're in. And if I'm in a workplace environment, I want to get my money. I want to get my raises. I want to get my promotions. Caller in Georgia talked about it. Man, I'm getting new this and new that. Got all my performance evaluations. That's what I'm trying to get in. I don't think you're going to get all that going in and filth, Florin, filth, filth, filth. Even if that's the way the people in your work environment do conduct themselves victims guaranteed qualified and i've seen this before too in fact i've been the outlier uh where when i worked at the comedy club in atlanta where it was phil florin because i mean that's a comedy club so i mean every other word is you know four letter word um but being someone who didn't do all that cursing not that i was approved totally but just i was not on their level with all the profanity and constantly it sticks out now you can go one of two ways you can just drift over and do the same thing that they do and talk the way that they do that happens frequently unless you are really disciplined really mindful about what you say and you just content like you all can do that and I'm not even judging just is this how we're supposed to talk in a workplace because you get in the habit of talking like that you just talk that way all the time and then also what happens is might be one day like the fella, uh, caller in New Jersey where it might be say we play around like that we, we joke like that Hey, B. Hey, what's up, B? B, nigga. You know, add on to it, all that. Might be one day. I'm not as patient. I'm not in a joking mood today. I didn't get enough sleep. Racist mistreated me or whatever it is. Uh, But I don't have the same patience. I'm not joking today. That day. Hey, what's up, B? What? Uh Uh-oh. And I've seen that, too. Where you're in an environment where normally... All that cursing and what have you wouldn't be a big deal. One day, somebody's not in a joking mood. Now it becomes a explosive deal. That's another reason why it's ant work environment. This is not just let's sit around and curse and run around and run around. Let's be professional. Let's be courteous. We can even get beyond that. Let's be courteous. There should be a basic standard of workplace courtesy. Uh, and in fact, to me, that's kind of a red flag. Like unless we're at a bra, I mean, a, a bar or something working in Las Vegas or something where I, you know, expect all kinds of vice. Uh, no, a work environment where it's just cursing and cursing and filth and four letter word from every like, whoa, whoa. This might be a dangerous work environment. Like I'm not going to expect a lot of workplace courtesy here. Talk about toxic. E. Number again, 720-716-7300. Code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like 
to participate. That's hilarious. She said the white woman told, reported to the manager that she was frightened. She said, who was it? Becky? She storms over to Becky and said, look here, Becky. I'm licensed. I'm not losing my license over you. Good day. She goes on to Racist, like, oh my god, she was gonna kill me. Woo! Does not get any better than tacky, trashy, terroristic. Let's see. Uh, Can I make a suggestion? We got a suggestion, retired firefighter. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, I've uh, stated it before uh, because I had a, uh, I was involved in a, an example many years ago where this uh, white female uh, stated in a, in a note to the chain of command that uh, she was frightened, something like that, something like that. She was frightened by myself and uh, another uh, firefighter black male uh, that I've had a 30 some odd year relationship with uh, on and off duty and, and also off uh, on and off duty into uh, trying to come up with some solutions to this problem of racism, and white supremacy, <laughs> uh, somebody that I trust. Uh, and uh, one thing uh, a victim should not do is to uh, acquiesce to stating verbally or writing your side of the story. That's not your responsibility. That's not your responsibility. Someone makes an accusation about yourself. That is their responsibility to prove it. Not yours (laughs) at all. Uh, we were even asked to write something and we refused to do it. Uh, unless somebody can tell me somewhere in the policy procedures <laughs> that if you're accused of something that you're supposed to, uh, you're duty bound to uh, state, convince the, your employers that you did not do this or you're not that type of person. That's your responsibility. I don't think so. I don't think so. So don't even get that started. Uh, matter of fact, just like I stated it, let the employer know that I am not responsible for that. That person made an acquisition against me. That's their responsibility to make proof of that. Does that make sense? <laughs> makes sense to me. Uh, I think in the court of law, it works the same way. They, explain to the uh, defendant or rental James if you like hey you don't have to take the stand you don't have to explain anything you don't have to tell us anything about where you were that night in June or nothing the whole burden is on us we're the ones that's saying OJ did it he killed him or rental James can sit down and be mute until we get done with all this the burden is on us to show show cause or shut up they don't make it that crass but I mean that's about the uh, the gist of it show cause shut up same thing for the working, especially once accusations have come like, oh, yeah, I'm not getting into this is what I did. And this is what eh. at that point, like show cause if, you know, I am the frightening boogeyman that you say. 
See, actually, actually, what the what what the, the victim is doing is attempting to do is what you you stated is is to how, how what was that phrase you used? Uh, create distance. I forgot what exactly how you said it. Uh, I think you said create distance. I believe so. Yeah, and, and the attempt to do that. And see, white people know that we are attempting to to uh, uh, last or or uh, stay on a job and whatnot, and, and some things that we have to do. And uh, they, but they want to tear that down. They 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 want they want you to accommodate them in being comfortable, and that's not your job. <laughs> that's not your job. Uh, is to accommodate a, a, another person into being comfortable. That's something they have to make up <laughs> with themselves, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, uh, I did create create space. Everywhere I went, everywhere I went, it, my aura was, was be there before I even arrived at the station. And I think that's I think that insisted my means to be able to get through retirement. Because was nobody playing around with me, white or non white. Was nobody was playing around with me at all. You know, the type the type of foolery that takes place in that male dominated environment, uh, called the fire department. Uh it, it wasn't nobody playing around with me. And name calling? Uh-uh. Oh, oh no. No, no. That, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen at all. Yeah. Uh, I actually changed my last name. And uh, the uniforms, either the first, the first early years when I was on, they had, uh, they had name tags. So you can clearly see the person's name. And in the latter part, I would say about the last maybe ten, fifteen years, they you, your uniform had your name stitched into it. <laughs> so that's not my responsibility that you you don't know how to pronounce <laughs> or you acting like I put it for you acting like you don't know how to pronounce the name or whatever. I didn't answer. I I I, I was I was as Great as an actor as Sidney Poitier, to whereas if you didn't state my name correctly, and and I just walked right past you, just walked right past you, and then and then once the person got my attention in some sort of way, I said, "Well, you you know you uh, you know what my name is. It's right here on my chest." <laughs> but anyway, just a suggestion. Thank you. Black brother. Black brother hell. <laughs> Raven in the sun. <laughs> the great Sidney Portier. Could have been a cowbell there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your pick, take your pick. Uh context of white supremacy, retired firefighter in Florida. Plan to ignore that's such an important you see how many times that's been mentioned? That's such an easy one where you don't have to say anything. People calling, come in. 
Uh, they don't want to call you by your name uh, and make up some goofiness. And hey, did you hear me calling you? Did you did you hear me, brother? Brother? Don't have to say a word. We heard the other one coming in and cursing at you for sure. Easy planned ignoring the politics. Now I said, hey, you can just say I don't, you know, discuss politics, and you can still do planned ignoring there because if you told someone, white or non-white. <clears throat> It's not a subject that I engage in in the workplace. Just try and keep things focused to tasks on the job. And they persist. You know, what do you think about President Trump? He had that one a lot during the election. See, what do you think about President Trump? What do you think about the election? What do you think about Black Lives Matter? All that. You think Bill Cosby really did that? Planned ignoring. Sometimes that is the best as opposed to saying this or saying that or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that was already said. Hey, have a conversation. Can't just be one person talking. Especially in a workplace, like, ooh, they put you in a mental institution sometimes for that. Uh, let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, you have commentary to share. Line should be open. Can I share? Sure. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? I, I want to um, discuss the vaccine policy because um, at my my plantation, we got an email on Monday, um, and I'll read the Read the email because this is like out of out of the blue. It says, um, "Good morning, staff. Um, arrangement has been made for COVID testing for staff today. This is on a Monday between ten and twelve thirty. Um, a mobile laboratory will be administering the polymerasine chain. I don't know that. I hope I pronounced that word. Polymerasine chain reaction um, molecular test, and the results will be within thirty six hours. The lab is parked outside in the front parking lot. And also, if you want to get the vaccine." You can um, bring your county ID, and they'll provide the vaccine for you right there. And and that's something that was out of the blue, and then that happened. And then two days later, um, the governor of good old California started saying that the state of California would require that people be vaccinated. So what I'm thinking, I work for the I work for a county agency within the state of California. I'm thinking that they're going to um, make us mandatory vaccinate pretty soon too. Um, and one more thing I'll, I'll share real fast is also that um, you guys asked me about how to keep a job. I've been working on my plantation for like 18 years, and I'm not perfect, no way at all, but um, to get my raises all the time, because I work for the county, you always get a cost of living raise, so you automatically get a um, raise, and then um, I always get to work 15 minutes early, and I'm known to be on time and being punctual, so that's easy how I keep my job, and that's all I have to share. Mm. Known for being on time. I see that right there. You're going to get a reputation in your workplace. Classified as black, you can get a reputation regardless. You can get a reputation for being a troublemaker. Opalaka 3. Get a reputation for filth, flooring filth. Cursing people out and all the rest of it. You can get a reputation for talking about safety. Being early to work, I've heard so many cows listers, just basics. Like I said, Mr. Fuller, sometimes it's not rocket science, some of the things that he's saying, like no name calling. You don't have to graduate from Harvard to get that or to practice no name calling. Show up to work early. Pretty easy. Set your alarm. Plan it out. Go to bed maybe early. It's not that big a deal. Like I've heard so many cows listeners who said, hey, I'm, you know, working on my workplace code, my code. I get to work 20 minutes early every day. I get to work 15 minutes early. 
every day at exactly what that college is I'm like wow that coon is on time like wow that is amazing every day work supposed to start at 8 o'clock he is here at 7.45 amazing over and over and people that are wildly different areas doesn't seem to be locked to a spe- specific geographic location that's the exact same thing uh, Neely Fuller Jr. said I think he said for 30 years <laughs> showed up on time now he was able to walk to work so I mean I'm not saying that's cheating I'm just saying hey great advantage if you can live close enough that you can walk to work never should be an excuse for you being late easy one you can put in your account of racist code show up 15 minutes early every day and that'll give you some time to kind of get your you know head right get in the uh, correct frame of mind for your work now as for the uh, vaccine policy like wow that is uh, now he is in California that's one of the states that I've been talking about where uh, I think San Francisco uh, they have said that city employees will have to be vaccinated I think Pasadena uh, which is in Southern California I think they said the same thing uh, and other places we're talking about similar uh, type of requirements for city uh, employees. I think a lot of the major public uh, Cal State institutions uh, have already said students, faculty got to be vaccinated. You're going to be on campus in I wanted to say fall, 30 days. Basically, if you want to be on campus, got to be vaccinated. Uh, so that is wow. And then and the pop up nature of it, like out of the blue, like you just said, hey, we got the uh, testing will be here and this is the time and if you want to get the vaccine you could do that too but just wow like it is it just the past few weeks has been a considerable difference in terms of the peer pressure the messaging uh, around all of it is particular for the workplace and bring a lot more uh, pressure uh, to bear and public shaming uh, around all of this like that is uh, man lots to continue more thing too? yes sir Sorry about that. yes sir Oh, and one more thing. I think they're going to make it difficult for people who aren't vaccinated, and I'm one that's not vaccinated right now. Um, if, let's say I take a vacation and I go somewhere and I go out of the state. I have to self-quarantine for 14 days before I can go back to work. But then I have to use whatever vacation time I have plus an extra couple of days off whatever to self-quarantine before I can come back to work because it's happened to a coworker of mine too. The vaccinated people can come back right after they get back from vacation, but the people who aren't vaccinated have to quarantine. For the 14 mandatory 14 days before they can go back to work. Now, I'm saying I'm calling that draconian policy. Now, the reason why I'm saying that so much of or a lot of the things, concepts that Mr. Fuller talks about, especially when he talks about workplace racism, he'll say Fifth, 14th Amendment, uh, talking about due process, equal protection under the law. They've said like for months now, certainly I think most of the summer, like there's going to be different policy and procedure for those who are vaccinated. We started that was in the uh, uh, audio segment that we started with. They said uh, for the NFL, if it's a team has some sort of outbreak or what have you, and they have to uh, forfeit a game or miss a game or anything like that, and this is one of these unvaccinated Negroes, probably even that, <laughs> like NFL is mostly black people, so them coming out. That's the only sports league that I know of that has come out with some sort of major like, uh oh, we are not tolerating you unvaccinated folks. You mess up. We're not monkeying around. It's going to be major fines. Mm. Uh, but anyway, say all of that focused on unvaccinated folks, just the policy for them. And they, they even said it in a clip. They said, hey, 
They're going to be a different set of rules. Once these folks see the people that are not vaccinated, once they see your life will be so much easier, so much less of a headache, they'll just go ahead and get the vaccine so it'll be easier and they'll have less distractions, less to think about. Right. I guess, uh, at, at least in my view, it just that is a monumental shift over what the messaging has been and a very aggressive tone and there seems to be a lot of in my opinion anti-blackness with it because they keep weaving that oh man the black people aren't vaccinated we heard that in the report too uh even though they've said consistently you got hordes of white people who have said steadfastly this is a fake and i'm not doing it and, rah, 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 and all the rest of it i'm anti-vaccine all the rest of it they downplay that trump and all those folks who you know come out for a long time saying oh this is lame and democratic conspiracy and rah, rah, rah. But it's black people that are the unvaccinated. Be mine. I can't stress enough. Check your policy and proceed because you don't want stuff like that, like to just show up at work and you don't know anything about it. Then bam, I mean, unless they spring it on you, you know, no notice. But I mean, man, I'd be checking policy and procedures. So if there's going to be a change, if it's going to be two different types of uh, rules for the employees, I'd want to know all that way in advance. So you're super clear and you can make whatever the healthiest possible decision for yourself under those circumstances. Let's see. I'm so glad it took us so long to get to the vaccines. Like, man, that should be major topic. Like a whole lot of folks should be talking about this vaccine thing and what they're doing in their work environment. Uh, let's see. Other folks uh, who dialed in, hand up. You have commentary to share. Line should be open. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is a female caller from South Carolina. Um, I'm calling to give a report back on an issue that I called uh, to report and about, well, maybe about a little over a month ago with a racist soldier coming to a, uh, fix a home security system in my home, and he began to gossip on the phone with the coworker about what I believe to be another employee, a uh, black male employee. Um, and my and then he turned around and started talking to me about his conversation that he was having about this black male employee doing things what he thought was incorrect. And my suggestion to him was to have him retrained and um he kind of got quiet and just kind of you know forgot about the whole conversation but i expressed that it did bother me and suggestions were that i um write a letter to um doc and document my experience with him and uh I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And um, I think I have expressed on this program at some point my fear of white men. I have a horrible fear of white men. And being that this was very something such as very sensitive to me, such as uh, my security system, I have a home business, um, my elderly mom stays here sometimes. And all I could think was because of my incompetence regarding um, certain aspects of the security system, uh, because of what I know about how 
white people operate um, with regard to retaliation. And um, I just, it, set, it was very uncomfortable for me because uh, all I could picture, maybe I watched too many movies, that could be it. All I could think was that this is an electronic thing. It's a, uh, there's a, a geofences and all kinds of things happening with it. Because I did bother, I did educate myself on, um, as far as I can understand about the system. All I could see was me saying something, me writing a letter, it getting to his uh, superiors, and him being upset about it. Because I think I mentioned that he did state to me that he's a company guy, whatever that means. Um, uh, some sort of retaliation. And I, and I could be just overthinking it, but in the form of, um, you know, maybe my system goes haywire. Uh, maybe he leaves the job, but has somebody on the inside. Um, he has some of my electronic information, even though I did change my passwords and all of those things that I, I, that I needed to do. But I, I just didn't feel right with it. And so I didn't write the letter. But I'm sure that at some point, I do plan to expand the system some, that I will need service again. His name is Brett. Um, I did remember that after a while, and I did see it written. I did see it in the report um, when I looked at the service report. Um, so what I do call next time, what I'm going to do is just say, I don't want him here. Don't send Brett. If, if this is his field service area, Find somebody else. And um, I'm just going to leave it at that because I just didn't feel comfortable with documenting something. And um, actually, maybe it's an unreasonable fear. I'm not sure of um, some sort of retaliation or, you know, these things happen, especially with electronics. So I kind of left it like that. And... um, just to report on on something that I recently came up on my radar regarding um, an Olympic athlete, and I believe that Olympic athlete's job is to perform in the Olympics or that an athlete's job is to perform, you know, do their job. I see that Simone Biles has bowed out, not bowed out, has um, decided to not compete in two more events. And um, she did say it was stress-related. Um, so I, I I have my own suspicions about this. I do believe that not only are they burnt out and, and there's a lot of things going on, I just always remember the book from the book club that um, we did here on the cow uh, of Serena and Venus's dad. I think it was um, Black and White, The World as I See It, or some, something I don't want to misrepresent the title, but I, I really am, I believe that maybe they're going through a whole lot of um, racist trauma, So and, 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 and they can't express themselves, they can't protest, you know, that's going to be frowned upon, and the niggers in their funny hair, in their funny hats, that, that want to swim. <laughs> you know, all of these things are happening to them. So I, I just thought I have I just have a feeling that they're deciding 
protest in their own way, and I could be incorrect. But that's all I had, and thank you for letting me share. <clears throat> Much obliged, uh, female caller in South Carolina, Dylan Roof, Pitchfork, uh, Ben Tillman. Um, I, I think retired firefighter. Uh, Don't forget. I'm sorry. Don't forget Strom Thurmond. He's just cowbell. Don't we got another Strom cowbell. Thurman. Yes, ma'am. Child rapist. Yes, ma'am. Um, retired uh, firefighter. Shikari Richardson, I think that's her name. I might talk about messing up now. I think that's it. Shikari Richardson, uh, the young lady, beautiful young lady, uh, sprinter. Uh, they said she uh, didn't pass her urine test or what have you, so she's not in Japan for the Olympics. And he brought up last week for workplace racism. He said, hey, that's, you know, professional war. If you're in the Olympics, that's basically you're a professional athlete. They say that's amateur, but I mean, eh. uh, if you're in the Olympics, you're a professional athlete, so that's your job, you know. Uh, and I, with Simone Biles, I for sure uh, saw what happened with the report. Mental health uh, actually had several clips. Uh, just decided we'd play it tomorrow. Compensatory call in. We could put that in the greater rubric of the week, but certainly that is workplace racism. Uh, I also saw reports because I saw some reports that put both um, Simone Biles, uh, who's a gymnast, with uh, Naomi Osaka, who had just withdrew from Wimbledon uh, which just a few months before and it's interesting because Naomi Osaka she's a big tennis star uh, she mentioned uh, Serena Williams uh, she was at the Olympics she lost in the tennis competition and they had a big report about how she got all this harassment and abuse from her own citizens of Japan uh, who were upset with her like she's I think the number one ranked tennis player in the world is like what do you mean losing and uh, embarrassing Japan and all I said you gotta be joking like this is what like I just said now they say this is amateur competition and this is all just about sportsmanship and, and the whole thing was delayed and all the rest of it what is this getting an attitude and harassing someone because they lost like they don't do that not with white athletes that I see you go out and compete and try man I said even Ryan Lochte remember him Brazil 2016 where he went out and got arrested come on man I mean it, it has to be something like that and even then I don't remember them saying whole bunch of people protesting like keep him in Brazil don't bring him back revoke his pass like I don't remember that 2016 uh, but it absolutely is I um, we read black and white the way I see it Richard Williams uh, I think that was like 2014 I could even put the stamp corrected I Red narrated uh, black and white the way I see it 2014 for the book club enjoyed that one thoroughly uh, but he talked about all the abuse that his daughters experienced and he experienced and it would not surprise in fact it would surprise me if they were not hearing all kinds of snide remarks and abuse and all the rest of it. especially you go out and get to be dominant and you're winning both of these young ladies Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka any of them really but we're talking about these two young ladies specifically uh, and I mean talking about both of them is oh my goodness the greatest of a generation and all the rest of it and beating all these white young ladies from all over the world like man I am sure they have heard all kinds of this and that even Simone Biles they were people who were uh, degrading her and making disparaging remarks about her saying oh what a lame how weak she is and she dropped out and ran 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 I don't even think she's 25 yet. I have to double check on her age, but I mean, we're talking about someone who is just barely out of the years when they would be legally considered a child. 
And then again, this is the Olympics. I thought this was just all supposed to be about jingoism and patriotism and all the rest of it anyway. Total disgrace with the your home security system. That total victims guaranteed qualified in every way. Like, man, that's your uh, residence and your safety, your mother's safety. Anybody else who, you know, is with you in your residence, they are like, man, uh, anything that, you know, where you feel like there, sh- there could be some uh, repercussion, something where I don't feel comfortable, some retaliation of some sort, that's totally legit. Um, and then even I was trying to think, like, maybe could she do it like a non I was like, ooh, that's so, like, specific, like, the nature of the report. Like, he was talking about, you know, other company workers specifically and that sort of thing. Like, he could probably put two and two together and be like, this Brett character, like, oh, that's who did it. I'm going to get her and that type of thing. Uh, so I totally get it, uh, especially if you feel like you're still learning with the security system and might not have enough information to make sure that you're totally safe. So I get it. That's the kind of situation that we're in. I've been in that situation this year, like not even a long time ago, this very year and wondering like, dang, now if I report this race soldier, is this going to make the problem worse? Like that's another reason why we need to get this problem solved as soon as possible. Same thing that she said. Now, when I go to report this, am I going to be reporting this to Brett's friend or Brett's wife? or Brett's brother who also works at the company nepotism is that the type of thing that's going to be happening or even if I report it correctly he gets fired does he have homies there like oh man we'll you know stick it to her and made our pal Brett get in trouble that type of thing I don't think any of that is too far-fetched or in movies and such I think white people have done that's a long record of you know white people uh, retaliating uh, against the black people who tried to work against racism white supremacy so and especially, like I said, for things in your home, that's such a man, you know, he knows your residence and the security code. And, you know, that's I can understand your apprehension. Uh, let's see. Number. I'll give out the number again. We'll check. See if other folks are with us. Have any comments they want to get in. Number again is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate i have seen a lot of black people uh at the beach today i've seen lots of black people at this beach uh both times that i've been this week that is not always the case at the seattle beaches uh but alki beach lots of black people kicking it on a lovely summer friday evening uh let's see uh, any other comments folks want to get in the home security uh, situation any suggestions uh, for that one any, any safer way of dealing with that anything else before we get our other callers I, w- I would say that I have uh, gotten rid of a lot of people who uh, represented a company that came to my house that didn't uh, behave in a professional manner of some type, uh, I, uh, would, uh, ask them to leave my, uh, leave, leave my, uh, property. And, uh, and as they're leaving, I would call the company and mention to them on what I did and why I did it. Uh, in a lot of cases, what, what you were saying about the, about her uh, fears is 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 correct. It has it has a percentage, 
but also what has a percentage also is that company does not like to have a a, a professional a terrible professional reputation and uh if you if you uh call that uh particular business and state that uh the person stated about no the person uh did not follow the procedure by calling before they attempted to come over that that's one of the problems that I've had with a business uh or the person was doing something personally on their telephone instead of conducting the business that I hired them for. And I don't think that is good. That's good business. Uh, and matter of fact, put it in the term of a question to the person who answers the phone. It might be the owner. And you probably will get a different response, a positive one, to whereas they will be calling you. Can, uh, can we send somebody else? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Uh, that's possible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I do understand the, the percentage of security system on how that can be uh, concerned also. Hello, may I be heard? Much obliged, retired firefighter. Uh, Irie in Louisiana. Yes, ma'am. Um, I, um, have a couple things I want to share. Um, basically, I was sent off. You know what? I'll mute my line real quick. Something happened. Uh, give me a few minutes. It's not going to be too late. I'll just buzz in when I have a chance. We have a few minutes. Uh, looks like 35 of them if you want to be exact about it. So, yes, take your time, gather your thoughts, and let us know. Pretty black female just walked by and woke yeah, while we were doing the live program. Like, I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, has that happened while we were live on the air before? Can't believe could have been coming to this beach for five years and didn't do it. Uh, other male caller uh, who just tuned in. Yes, sir, we can hear you. Yes, uh, what I was going to say was that uh, regarding the situation of the name calling is that when you announce that very clearly that someone, for example, did you hear Johnny just called me a bitch very loudly pronouncing it and, and waiting for that other person to acknowledge that they did or did not say that? I think that that goes a long way in stopping that type of behavior uh, from happening again, uh, and if that person wants to own that and say, yes, I did say that, well, then you've announced it, that you've done it, so there's no contradicting this part later on. So, uh, And that also helps um, in a situation where you're, uh, where the other female caller was uh, uh, reporting that uh, Brett had... Um, made inappropriate uh, comments at her home is to make that very well known because I think that in those type of situations, racists like to be very concealed and don't like to have their information, or excuse me, they have it known that they did something that was so tremendously incorrect 
especially with uh, regarding their employer. Their employer is very likely to uh, address that situation in a very serious manner. If it's widely known, if it's able to be announced on a, uh, a broad basis, and that's all I have to share. Great suggestion, the echo, and you still get to be in the question lane to repeat what was said so that other people can pay attention. Uh, and also, now you have witnesses, if they heard, like, yes, we did hear him say that, and or if they didn't, now the question has been asked, he can, <laughs> yes, I did say that. You can even ask, why did you call me that? And he can explain that one too, and that's a great follow-up, especially if you did the whoa did you hear Brett just called me and then he says yeah I did and then you do your follow up why did you call me that Brett and let him explain you know why he said that but love it calls attention you get witnesses uh, and you probably have a lot of race soldiers who will be brazen enough to yes I called you you know whatever I said that yes <laughs> it won't be a situation where they're denied oh no I didn't say that you misheard me or your mistake that sort of thing so love it especially if you're in an environment with a lot of folks present uh, appearances we're supposed to be keeping up the appearance of justice in the workplace justice and safety in the workplace what a laugh uh, other suggestions uh, from folks based on what they've heard uh, and or if you have your own situation to address Proceed. Uh, yes, right quick. I was I was going to say uh, in regards to uh, professional sports, and I know it's, it's probably going to come up uh, uh, tomorrow. Also, uh, when you when you look at uh, gymnastics and tennis, they don't. <laughs> I don't think they have. They don't have any. Uh, they may have some form of something called a union or something like that, but if it is, it's not really that good. And I know the NFL's union sucks. <laughs> it's not good at all. Uh, I would say probably the the, the better uh, governing body for the athletes itself uh, would be uh, in uh, basketball and I think also with baseball. Uh, uh, as far as uh, pr uh, some sort of uh, protection uh, with the athletes, but so but it, when if the tendency when white people are paying non-white black people millions of dollars at the same time, they feel that okay, I also have control of your personal life. I have control of you, you know, because I basically I own you from that standpoint that's that's the attitude that goes along with it so you know it, it like like the young lady said there's a lot of pressure <laughs> a lot of and she's and, and the using the term pressure actually is white supremacy when it comes down to it you know uh but of course she's not going to say that you know uh, uh uh because she does have a international platform uh, and there's probably a lot of other reasons why she's not going to say that directly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's part of the issue. And along with that comes a lot of pressure and uh, pressure comes stress. And of course, all of that affects everything else that you do well. <laughs> and, uh, I wouldn't be, uh, upside down six feet in the air and, and, 
and uh, have that that particular type of issue, uh, you know, formulating uh, with my with me personally. It's, it probably is not going to come out too well in, in some particular case, and you could get hurt very seriously. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. Thank you. Retired firefighter Hello. in Florida. Yes, ma'am. That was, uh, I think we got Irie in Louisiana. She had to take a few moments, got her thoughts together, ready to share. Yes, ma'am. Oh, man, uh, my offspring. That's that's what that was, because he, he'll just get into my car and I'll start talking like I'm not doing anything, you know, how that, he's a, still a teenager. 18 is still teen, you know. So, um, yeah, it was, it, I had a stressful week, um, and I don't normally deal with workplace racism like everyone else does, you know, and I'm very, I feel sad that everyone else has to deal with it more than me. You know, at, or at all, in other words. But when I deal with it, I deal with it for some reason. And this week actually built up in ways I didn't recognize in my um, lower back as far as stress. So today I was working on my passion, which is music. And I could barely sing because, you know, you have to pull from the diaphragm. I could barely do it because of all the stress that I woke up with was in my lumbar, and I never had that experience until today. And yesterday I had a very um, tacky experience, and some other stuff had happened um, as well. Um, I won't even get into that stuff. It's just so deep. But yesterday, um, basically from where I was kicked in the knee, I told you how they sent me to work for, you know, a sliver of what they normally have to pay me for compensation at a nonprofit organization where there was confusion on their part about making me sign papers. So I was sent to another nonprofit organization. I didn't have to sign papers, but the two people that I suspect are white, or one at least white identifying that were listed on the paperwork for me to report to weren't there. And so it was it's an old house that the this particular organization that has something to do with rebuilding houses and putting people in their own homes. They use a house as their headquarters. So that's the address that was listed on the paperwork. So that's where I reported and I asked specifically for the person I was supposed to talk to at 0830. And um, a young white woman tried to buffer me, and she was like, um, you sure you're not at the other location? The other location is a warehouse. I said, no, I'm supposed to be here according to this paperwork. So I was like, just if you have a manager here, because I know you're not the manager, you know, I, in my head I'm thinking that. I'm like, if you have a manager here, just let me talk to that person, and I'll show them the papers. So a white man comes out, and everybody's looking at me like, of course, like I'm not, like I don't belong, and a nigga. So um, he was like, yeah, let me make some calls because she's not here. I said, well, what about the other person on the letter? Oh, yeah, she's not here either. She's not coming in today either. And I'm thinking, how? When they are listed on this paperwork with this organization that, 
coordinated this. Not just sitting. So he makes his calls. He said, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. So we got it straightened out. You're going to the other location, again, which is a warehouse. Now, the reason I was put at the office, which I'm not telling them this, because, it, frankly, if they don't know, they're not supposed to as far as, you know, what I know from the military and everything else. So they're like, yeah, go to the other place. And okay, I'm going to be back. Something just told me I'm going to be back, and they're going to freak out. I, I'm going to be able to see the body language where they're going to be freaking out in their minds like, oh, my God, what's happening? Is it a freaky Friday or something? So I go to the warehouse, and the young woman that intercepted me at the office, she's tasked to follow me to the other location. So when she walks in, she walks in a little bit ahead of me, and I have my paper out, and I've already written the person's name down that they say I have to report to at the warehouse. So I had her name, but I didn't have her full name. So when I went in, I greeted the person in charge, white male, and I said, you're XYZ, XYZ, right? I've let him know, hey, I know your full name, I've been told, right? And so he's like, yep, that's me. And then I said, well, excuse me. Becky, because her name was literally Becky, as far as I know. It might be Rebecca, you know. I said, I apologize. I forgot to get your last name. Would you let me know what that is? So she tells me, and Gus and everyone on the line listening to Labyrinth is going to love this. She tells me the last name, and then she walks off. She says, okay, you have fun. And then he goes, oh, yeah, lots of fun. I said, well, ain't this a I said, if it wasn't for me listening to the archives, I would not know that was an acronym for something totally incorrect and racist. So now I've been given the, the update, what type of environment I'm in. I'll try to speed this up. He gives me the task because I tell him at this point he should be privy to know why I'm there. Hey, I can't do any walking around and stuff. I'm here because I need to just do clerical things. They don't really have clerical things. So he sends me to a location where basically I'm just going to be out of sight, out of mind. That's what we should call it. The white lady in charge of that part of the area sees me and says, okay, well, don't worry about answering phones. You're going to walk the floor. I said, I can't. She said, you can't. I said, I can't. I said, God, please let her ask me again so I can say I can't the same way I said it the first two times. She was like, well, what can you do? I said, well, the guy in charge that I know is in charge told me to sit in this room and answer phones. Well, you could at least sit at the front door and, and greet people and check for uh, making sure they don't walk out with stuff. I said, ma'am, I'm not trained in loss prevention. She said, what? That's not loss prevention. So then that's when plantation mister walks up and start talking to plantation plantation mistress and she's trying to convince him, like argue with him. Well she could at least sit up here and look at people and greet people. I don't see how that's hard to do going and he's like rolling his eyes in the back of his head like, Listen, you're giving me the flux. You don't know what you're talking about. He's like, No, no, just listen. She's gonna be in there, okay? Then she goes, Fine, okay, here's the phone, blah blah blah. So she's constantly coming back to check on me. How you doing? You falling asleep yet? I say, I don't fall asleep at work. 
<laughs> oh, wow. You know, stuff like that. I was asked about my corona uh, virus, uh, you know, the vaccination status. I told them I don't disclose. And I have a very sophisticated mask that I've shared with you. It's called the Atmo Blue. So it's not just a face mask. It's 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 a it blows air and it it has a HEPA six or whatever grade filter dual filter in there. It looks like a it's a like a step down gas mask. So he's like, well, I was going to give you the option of um, not wearing a mask if you're vaccinated, but by you wearing a mask, that lets me know that you're not vaccinated. I said, oh, you think this is the only reason I'm wearing this mask? I was like, it still doesn't tell you anything, though, because I told you I'm not telling you. So long story short, I get a text from the coordinator with the organization that placed me at this place. She says, what's going on? Did you report in? I say, here we go again. People pretending or are not reporting that I showed up. So I said, yes, I'm here, and as a matter of fact, I'm sitting in the back room doing nothing. Well, I'm not where I was supposed to be on the paperwork, and I'm, I was somebody tried to make me walk around a warehouse, you know, and and you know I'm not here to walk around or do anything like that. So she saw, says, go back to where you're supposed to be in the paperwork. So when I show up there, Becky is standing outside trying to, uh, I suspect, start the beginnings of a tragic arrangement with some, unfortunately, victimized-looking victim of racism, black male with his arm in a sling. So she's like, yeah, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. Just tell me where to go. She was like, at the warehouse? I said, no, here. So she goes to him, well, I guess I'll talk to you later. I'm like, well, that lets me know that's not business they're talking about. So I go back in, and the guy that sent me off is looking like, yes, he's looking like, Unfortunately, Godzilla's coming out of the water, and you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to call myself a monster, but that's how he's looking at me. Um, uh, what's going on? You're all right? You're okay? You need help? I said, no, I just need to know where to go and what to do. He was like, here? or I said, yes, here. And he was like, and why are you back? I said, I was told to come back by the program. Okay, so then they come out with a bunch of stuff to have me shred papers. The papers and shredder jams, you know, I'm like, here we go. So I asked the lubrication sheets. One of the other employees like, lubrication sheet? I don't even know where that would be. <laughs> okay. So I said, well, it's jammed. <laughs> so then they put me on a printer to do some. Long story short, it's, I just don't appreciate the experience because I literally got hurt on the job, doing my job. I'm not saying that I can't do something, but at least I could have been put in an educational environment if they were going to find me some type of makeshift work. But you're putting me in programs with people that, one, you figure are stupid, have no skills, or, or you know what I'm saying? I know what type of programs these are for. These are for people that are, you know, unfortunately felons, maybe people that are in drug programs. And so I... I'm literally being treated as though I have something wrong with me and people are assuming that. And I'm not going to dignify them and tell them why I'm there unless they absolutely need to know. But the thing is, is like what, I, what I've learned, every Negro, every Negro got to work on the plantation. It don't matter if you broke. It don't matter if you crazy. It don't matter if you dead. You are doing something to add value to white people's 
enterprise at all times in all places, and then they make you feel bad along the way somehow. It's just very, it was very tiring. So all that built up, and I couldn't even really do what I wanted to do for myself just to, just to be a person today, which was sing because I got stressed from the whole week and other stuff I had to deal with regarding work and disability, mind you, built up in my back, and I, I can't even breathe. I couldn't even breathe. So I'm not excited anymore. I'm calming down. I am going to do my yoga. I'm trying to pull through and do some gentle yoga, child poles, and all that other stuff. I'm trying to find my heating pad. I've been putting ice on my back. So, Gus, if you have any recommendations, like, other than ice and heat and the poses I mentioned, I'll take it. And thank everybody on the line and retire firefighter. I'm sorry I didn't get, get back to you, but, you know, this is why. I fell off getting back to you, too, because I also had something my son was going through with somebody who was practicing racism with him. Again, you know, it's too. it was too much. But thank you for letting me, again, whew, letting, me air, letting me air out. Thank you. Mute my mind. Much obliged, uh, Irie in Louisiana. This week was wow don't have the words it was um, traumatic that would be an understatement I don't have yeah I have to think on it I have to invest some more times but it was it was a really uh, barbarous experience as has been the whole year Uh, for back child's pose is great uh, for if you're having some tightness stiffness uh, in your back Uh, you could do a really gentle uh, downward facing dog uh, with your knees bent and your toes uh, pointed inward. Uh, that one's kind of gentle. If you're going to point your toes inward to take a little pressure off your na- uh, back, then you don't need to bend your knees too much. You can just have a slight like micro bend. Just point your toes inward. That will do a lot to relieve pressure uh, in the low back. Uh, let's see. Uh, easy supine twist. That is really good. You can do that one, like support it, like get a um, pillow bolster if you have it uh, to put like under your knee when you do both sides. That's really because you can hold that for like said you're going to do some restore. You can do like five minutes, you know, each side do really juicy. That's lovely uh, for the low back. Child's you sit, child's pose, downward dog. Uh, you could do supine leg extension, like get a belt or if you have a yoga strap and do the leg extended up to the ceiling while you have the other one on the floor um, that one's really nice you could uh, take the leg 180 degrees left side right side it's nice for low back uh, release real gentle one that you could hold a little bit longer and be supported as well uh, low back. that's a good bit for low back there's some other gentle stretches for low back but that happens a lot that's why I, I told uh the black female who was threatened <clears throat> was well, not threatened. Well, yeah, she was threatened. They said, you angry black female. Uh, and, and out in front of everybody and everything, uh, I told her, make sure you detoxify 
get some time uh, to yourself to replenish because all of that trauma, when you go through those assaults, it can build up in your body. That's how we end up with all this hypertension and lots of other things. Uh, it's really important to nourish uh, and counterbalance. I've been telling myself that all year long because it has been savage, barbarous, white supremacy, racism, nonstop. Can't stop, won't stop. We were reading Labyrinth, right? Uh, let's see. Folks that we missed totally. Anybody that has a hand up that we have not heard from at all. May I be heard? Caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the hosts, the listeners, and callers. Uh, I would like to share some incident reports. Uh, my first is uh, there, of course, was uh, some discussion that I thought was inappropriate occurring in the department while uh, someone from the what I call the white side was um, giving coverage to someone that was out. And this was the new person, which is a person classified as white. She's a white woman. Uh, and they were trying to say, and pulling the black female victim into the conversation, uh, trying to say that, oh, well, maybe, you know, someone ran off or, you know, things like that, just things that wasn't constructive. And I just said, for one, I said, I haven't done anything because she, the white person said, you all, y'all. So I said, I haven't done anything. So she leaves and two other people continue talking about another person bringing a fruit basket and trying to uh, bombard her with work, I guess, work that she does and maybe that she doesn't want to do. And maybe they were trying to imply that she's afraid of this white other white person. Um, so they went on talking and I just stood up and I said it was about to be five o'clock. Uh, and I just said, you know, I just don't want people to be mistreated. I don't think people should be mistreated and I stand for justice. So this clique member uh, walks past me and said, what did you say? You know, but what is it? What you know? What did you just say? I said I'm not going to repeat myself. And then so she says, "What do you, you say? You stand for justice." And then she just walks out, and her face is red and everything. So, you know, I knew she heard me. So my second one, uh, the uh, white man who died passed away. Um. I don't know if I shared this or not, but they tried, or the uh, white woman tried to, uh, supervisor wanted to see if I wanted to sign the card. So I said, basically, you know, I'm not going to sign the card. I said, you know, I'm not, I just don't think it makes sense for me to sign that. And, uh, especially after where he, what he has done to me and what he said to me, 
Um, and I wanted to say a couple other things. She was like, oh, you know, I know, I know, I know. And I just wanted to make sure you had that option. Uh, I wanted to make sure you had that option to, to sign the card. Uh, because if I didn't, then she said, then you would mention something about it. And I said, no, well, that's not, that's not exactly accurate because if you're talking about leaving me out of something or not telling me something, there are multiple pictures that I could pull up an email that were put in the newsletter that don't have me in them. In fact, Gus, I believe I sent you one where there's my entire department <laughs> with this uh, white man in front of it. You can see the whole picture. The whole picture doesn't, well, what I really want to say, the entire department is in the photographs except for me. I'm the only one missing. So she also turned red. I said, there are plenty of images that where y'all left me out of them. That was just, that was just a quick freestyle like, uh, example where I said they weren't in, including me and stuff. So, uh, I just said, but I just cut it right there and she just walked away. Um, as far as the COVID-19 at my mom's, where she worked at in that building, the uh, criminal courthouse, she didn't come into work the first two days and then found out on the, um, Wednesday, this past Wednesday, when she came in, someone had tested positive and that person wasn't there. So her and another person had to leave. Uh, so it was only her and the supervisor doing customer service. So, um, the thing is they have to have their PTO extracted. The people who was close to the person who either tested positive or was exposed to COVID-19. So that's something that uh, some employees are upset about. And I want to mention that because I took a, um, a picture of the calendar where my uh, supervisor, I think, is an arch deceiver, uh, racist, because she is involved in uh, she, the way that she, the, the wording she used is uh, this white white man has been exposed to COVID nineteen, so him and two other white women. Right, who all are part of the group chat, of course, uh, were told to go home. So now I just I just said that they have this policy to where employees have to use their own PTO <laughs> if they are told to go home. If they've been in contact, they haven't done anything but just be in contact with someone who's been exposed. They sat next to them, etc. So these three people been given the option to work remotely, right? And it's all on the, uh, on the cell phone picture. So now these are all white people, of course, but I'm starting to think what, are, what if they're going to be examples to where there are possibly some black people uh, told to go home and they've been in proximity to someone who's been exposed. If they don't get that option to work from home, and the reason they're doing this, I think she's given, obviously accommodating white staff 
so that they don't have to lose their hours, but other staff are going to lose theirs, they happen to go home because there's a black female that just started and I haven't seen her in three weeks. So I'm hearing that she has uh, COVID. So the, uh, the, the most powerful white person, he sent out an email saying, hey, you know, we're going to have to go back to wearing these masks, CDC guidelines. You know, Florida is, is real high and severe with these COVID-19, the Delta variant cases. Um, so I've been wearing the mask ever since we reopened and stopped the drive through right? So I just wanted to, uh, to share that. There is some more I wanted to share on the uh, COVID-19, but I think racism is definitely uh, being practiced. And I have one more thing. Um, there was a white woman that made a comment. And I think like with my silence and it wasn't exactly silence. I just said, oh, really? Because she was talking about she had arthritis in her shin or leg area. Uh, she was talking to another white woman and she got close to passing the area where I've been assigned. I don't own anything. So she got near and passing that area. She turned around and said, Oh, you know what? It's not just arthritis blank over here. He went, if I don't have, <laughs> if I don't, if I don't have any uh, enough male of, I don't have any male really. He kicked me, right? So I said, are you willing to back that up? Are you, you know, you, you know, I was like, oh, really? You really, you willing to back that up? So she turned back around and she said, oh, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Really, it was uh, my assistant manager and she named a white example after practicing racism. He over there across the hallway he kicked me if I don't do anything right. So that's also something they'll do. They'll compliment. They'll either do that or they'll have times where they'll compliment another person and then they'll look to compliment me or they'll say something or do something to mistreat a black person and then they'll find some kind of uh, proxy white example to say they did it to them too. Uh, and that's all I had to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Yikes. Sorry about that. Got was switching up my uh, microphone headset. My goodness, we're almost at the three-hour mark, and I took notes. I was going to comment. We had uh, our Bay Area mom. I was going to give her the last few moments before we uh, sign out, but that is, like, astronomical. That's, that's the only comment. If I could only say one thing, him pointing out about COVID-19, if they're allowing white workers to save their hours, they can work remotely, and if that's not being offered to black people, like, are you, man, that's like an unjust networking and beyond. That's why I said the COVID-19 thing, like, in terms of, you know, so much to discuss around that. That's so critically important. Document everything. You have to be observant about what's happening uh, in your workplace. Uh, Bay Area Mom, do you have a uh, commentary? You should be with us. 
Oops, wait a minute. One second. Yeah. All right. All right. Bay Area Mom, she'll wrap us up. Bay Area Mom. Hi. Thank you for um, allowing me to speak. Uh, real quick. So this isn't mine. This is the uh, what is it? The Bay Area Scholar. So I just got off the phone with him. Livid. Livid. Because everything that was supposed to happen happened. So two weeks ago, Caucasian roommate. Uh, I two months ago, white girl girlfriend comes over. She comes in. This is my love of my life. I love her. She's she's in the home. She goes to uh oh dear some kind of festival. So there's a festival called in Florida called uh oh dear come on festival uh. I can't read what I wrote. But it was a festival in Florida, um, and she went to it, some kind of music festival. And um, the, the white girl, she two weeks ago, she gave strep throat to the, the, the white boy, the love of her life. Um, she gave him strep throat, just met her two months ago. Um, so now the boy is oh, scared, my son. So... Um, he's take, you know, he takes all his, uh, supplements and does his stuff. So the lady comes back from Florida and, um, <laughs> she's sick. So instead of going straight home, she goes to their home, stays with him. Cause this is the love of my life. And, um, she tested positive for COVID. So one of the white boys sent an email to my son's job because he works, they work at the same job. And I think to the school, however it went, now he can't go to work. He's got to stay in the house and he's got to test until he tests positive. So, I mean, negative, excuse me. So, um, oh, he was serious. And um, like, well, we don't have anything to worry about because we're vaccinated. You know, everybody's fine. Are you mad at me? He's like... No, oh, man, no, but he was really livid. So he's, I said, well, you just make sure you meditate, you breathe, you uh, do some yoga, do some of your taekwondo stretch, do whatever you got to do, take a walk, keep that, don't touch nothing, keep that place clean. And I told you, self, I told you. And so he's like, oh, my goodness, lesson learned, tacky, trifling, terrorist. What did you say, tacky, trifling, terroristic? Tacky, trashy, terroristic, that's what he said. He was just, oh, he was serious. He's like, Mommy, he brings Aunt Raggedy Ann in here, and she get, comes and they said it was, they, they just knew it was going to be me. I was like, yeah, you're going to bring Ebola. So that's my workplace racism for the Bay Area Scholar. And I will mute my line, and thank you for allowing me the couple of minutes. Woo, I'm wounded. That's not funny, like at all, health and safety is you know with all of the death and suffering like um the black female that i was talking about at the beginning like she was talking about how the terrorism she experienced on the job was impacting her health and then we heard irie back pain uh supine twist told you very easy one lovely uh you could do banana pose too that's a nice like side uh stretch always feels really nice um even uh, happy baby is a nice one uh, for the back. Can uh, rock back and forth and get a nice little back massage. But man, I remember I said we we're gonna try and see if we could get our Bay Area scholar 
on the program maybe once or twice just to get an update on the college situation because we talked remember way back we talked about all that in workplace racism he's supposed to have these roommates could be three white people we're like oh my goodness like this could be a variety of problems and all the rest of it are they going to take the COVID-19 situation serious and then to hear they were telling him just like I think it was non-Clemson grad like he's the contagion they were calling calling, uh, non-Clemson grad that before the Rona to hear that they were saying, uh oh, this Bay Area scholar guy, this Negro, it's going to be him. He's going to track in Ebola and AIDS and all kinds of other Negro germs. <laughs> ah, they went to the gods. Come on. Woo. Like, I thought they were in New England. Like, they hopped on a flight, went down to Florida. No, Matt Ron DeSantis. We're not doing all that down here. Let's party. Florida. Hit Disney World. Let's do it, man. I said, I'm not a parent. I said, like, wow, you got about 30 days to make a decision about what you want to do for the college environment. Because, I mean, wow, it could be a whole year of that. I think our young victim, Bay Area Scholar, I think he moved in with these fellas, uh, health risks suspected well i don't know you're talking about a black guy's gonna bring an ebola that's uh not a suspect anymore but um (laughs) i think he moved in it like january-ish or something so he might have like another six months to go man safety safety that's one thing I can say. It seems like a lot of children, they start, man, mom is ignorant. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Up here talking all this rubbish and uh, listen to that fool on the radio. Man, they don't know what they're talking about. Everybody says their parents are dumb and ignorant. And then, man, you wait long enough and, oh, maybe they aren't so dumb. Maybe, maybe at least one or two things, maybe eight or 12 things. They, they might have known one or, or two things that were correct. Dang. And then he plays it back. Trashy, tacky, trashy, terroristic. There is a reason that is said so frequently. Neutralizing workplace racism. Man, it has been a horrendous week, horrendous day. My Friday started at 5.30 in the morning getting a call from a white police officer, enforcement official. That was the beginning to my Friday. So it has been unpleasant every minute of every day of every week of every month this year. But we are concluding the program at the beach today. I don't even like this beach. Lamest beach in Seattle, in my opinion, Alki Beach. But it's pretty nice uh, out here to wrap things up like right on. Go get some work done. Get ready for the program tomorrow. We'll be here for the compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Simone Biles, the Olympics, that will be discussed tomorrow on that broadcast, amongst many other topics from the past seven days. Stay safe. Stay hydrated. Stay constructive. Make sure you take time to replenish, detoxify. I think lots of folks have unfortunately testified it's been a rough summer or at least a rough couple days in there. All of that said, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Certainly if you're going to be on the fire truck, 
no drinking in addition to being sober uh, if you are out and about be very alert lots of armed folks you do not want to take unnecessary risks with your safety and health Uh, go about the business of staying safe uh, on the plantation or at least as safe as you can on the plantation if it looks like somebody's being rowdy and hostile exit Uh, this is not a time to be confronting strangers in public you should be thinking they could be armed and in fact may have an armed entourage at the ready all of that said, if you're out and about, especially if you're driving, you're not on the cell phone, you need your attention. And then we're trying to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person sobriety would be best man no name calling no gossiping easy things that we can do to help solve a lot of problems. That's three right there. Not brain or rocket science. Say it that way. Not rocket science. Sobriety. No name calling. No gossiping. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.